You are listening to GospelBellsRadio.com, the Christian internet radio with a mission to engage the culture with the mind of Christ. Keep listening and invite others, too. God bless you. Engaging the culture with the mind of Christ. 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 GospelBellsRadio.com is a community of believers learning together, praying together, bearing one another's bodies, and engaging the culture with the mind of Christ. To listen to live programs, tune in to www.gospelbellsradio.com. God bless you. Hello, friends. My name is Deoni, and I love listening to GospelBellsRadio.com. I love listening to Gospel Bells Radio. My name is Muyiwa your Jimmy. Hello friends, my name is Olufumbi and I love listening to GospelBellsRadio.com. Learning together, praying together, bearing one another's burdens and engaging the culture with the mind of Christ. To listen to live programs, tune in to www.GospelBellsRadio.com. God bless you. Thank you so very much for tuning in tonight to gospelbestradio.com, your community Christian internet talk radio with a mission to engage the contemporary culture with the mind of Christ. It's the 17th 
meeting of the Readers Club on Gospel Radio. And tonight we are meeting to read, well, the 17th chapter titled Vanity Fair. Vanity Fair, 17th chapter in the book by John Boyan, Pilgrim's Progress. Thank you so very much. Uh, thank you to all those who are there at gospelbestreading.com I have here in the virtual studio Sister Biodin Eseka thank you very much we're expecting others to join us we begin as we always do by singing that hymn come with the love of the Lord and let our joys be known if you're at gospelbestreading.com what you can do is to open the uh, the PDF on our page that sets out the program for today you can just tap that PDF and join us in singing, join us in reading, join us in the discussion. If you want to make any contribution and you are listening to us at gospelbestreading.com, just tap the WhatsApp widget. Just tap the WhatsApp widget and, and make your contribution. Just type it or send a voice note. If you are in the virtual studio, of course, you can always unmute your microphone and speak to us. Let's begin. Come with the love of the Lord and let our joys be known. Yes, let our joys be known. Come with that love the Lord and let her joys be known join in a song with sweet accord join in a song with sweet accord and those surround the throne and those surround the throne we're marching to zion beautiful beautiful zion we're marching upward to zion the beautiful city of god let those refuse to sing who never knew a god but children of the heavenly king but children of the heavenly king may speak their joys abroad may speak their joys abroad we're marching to zion to beautiful beautiful zion we're marching upward to Zion, the beautiful city of God. Then let our songs abound and every tear be dry. We're marching through Emmanuel's grounds. We're marching through Emmanuel's grounds to fairer woods on high, to fairer woods on high. We're marching to Zion, to beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching upward to Zion, 
marching to Zion So beautiful, beautiful Zion We're marching upward to Zion The beautiful city Oh yes, we are marching upward, and I, I and I love the just the excellent choice of words here. We are marching upward, upward to Zion, the beautiful city of God. Thank you also very much for singing along. God bless you, really good. Okay, uh, Brasher, do you want? Are you able to say the opening prayer? We were together on radio earlier today. For those who tuned into, uh, for those who tuned into Impact. Clinic with Shewe uh, Dili earlier today at 12 noon. We were together on radio. So, are you available to say the opening prayer, please, Brush Shewe Dili? Okay. Sister Bira Sika, are you available to say the opening prayer? And remember, a number of members of the virtual club uh readers club brother took some excuse today but we begin we are quite okay very good let us pray okay thank you our father in heaven we thank you for yet another privilege thank you lord together to read a book that is mirrored after your word we pray that you give us insight to the meanings Amen. that has for us Amen. and that will be worthily edified in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. That everyone that will join or that has joined will be really blessed. This Amen. And Amen. Onwards. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you so very much, my God bless you, really good. Okay, so for those who are just joining us at gospelbestreader.com, yes, you remember I just tapped that PDF on our homepage and follow the reading and, and join the discussion as well by uh, by tapping the WhatsApp widget and join us on WhatsApp. Thanks to all those who just joined us here in the virtual uh, in the virtual studio. Okay, please, uh, let's reset our memory verses together, the permanent memory verses for this study. You can unmute your microphone, please, and let's read along uh, the three permanent memory verses for this study. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul. First Peter 2.11 this all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, we are assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Hebrews 11.13 Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Matthew seven thirteen to 14. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you so very much. Last week, uh, we read two chapters, uh, one on, on Saturday. Last week, Saturday, we read Christian, the account of Christian meeting faithful. That 
that chapter was titled Christian Meets Faithful. And of course, you recall that faithful, uh, when Christian met faithful, uh, it transpired that faithful also left for the pilgrimage from the same city, the city of destruction. In fact, faithful left that city because Christian left earlier. Christian left, and the news of Christian leaving the city spread through that city, so much so that faithful also was touched by the Holy Spirit uh, to be conscious of the guilt of his sin and the impending judgment and destruction. So he also left and and set out for the pilgrimage. Of course, at the point where they met, faithful had gone ahead of Christian. But anyway, they met. Thankfully, they got together and they got uh, along. And I mean, what a wonderful discussion they had sharing stories one of the most important thing we noted last week was that although both of them followed the same way the same narrow way they did not have the same experience and we drew lesson from that that we may not have the same experience we as with our our brothers and our sisters in the faith nevertheless uh, we should just submit to the sovereign rulership of god and his benevolent rulership and trust that all the way the Savior leads, all the way the Savior leads, we have nothing to to ask except to submit to his will and to trust in his goodness and in his love. And then on Sunday, we read the account of how Christian and faithful met with the man called Talkative. And of course, that was a very challenging uh, challenging read for us last Sunday uh, when uh, the Holy Spirit, through the, the author of this book, John Boyan, challenged us to ask ourselves whether we are all talk, no action, and and I hope that you have time to reflect on that. Are you all talk, no action, just talking, just loving to talk about the Lord, loving to talk about faith, but having no faith, loving to talk about the virtues of the Spirit, Holy Spirit, but having no virtue, loving to talk about holiness, but having no holiness. And that exactly was who uh, talkative turned out to be in, in, in that chapter 16 that we read last week. Of course, when he was confronted with the need for his conduct to match his word, of course, he left them. He walked away from Christian and faithful. And then the evangelist met Christian and faithful. And the evangelist said to them, look, very soon, very soon, you are going to come to a city where your faith will be tested. And I think we have come to that city now. So tonight's text is titled Vanity Fair. This is chapter 17 from the book, Pilgrim's Progress by John Boyan, a book written in 1678, but that continues to resonate with Christians through the centuries because, as uh, Sister Seca said in our prayer, it is a book mirrored after the Bible itself. And I do pray, as the prayer has been said earlier today, that the Lord will open our eyes to see the treasures in his word tonight in the name of Jesus. Amen. As with, as with all the fairly lengthy chapters, we have broken this into, into segments, into sections. We've broken it into, into five, five sections. I, I want to move as fast as possible so that we can end at 9.30 on the dot. So we have section A. Now, uh, because as, as we go along, we, we find subtle reps, uh, references to the scriptures. We are going to read those scripture passages as we go along. So, uh, Sister Yemsia has agreed to read all the scriptural passages. They are set out in red colors. So once we get to the red colors, you read them out. And then uh, the person who is reading that section will carry on with the reading. So I've seen uh, Sister Deomi here. Thank you very much for joining us. So Sister Deomi will be reading section A and section C. 
and she started to Awonuga section B and section section D and Sister Lady section E. Open to all of us to contribute, and, I, and I'm sure that we'll have so many things to say. So please pay attention. If you're at Gospel Best Radio, tap that PDF uh, document and open it and read along with us. We are now at page two. Page two, we are beginning from the, uh, from the section titled A. Then I saw in my dream. So, uh, Domi, you're starting right. Okay. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Then I saw in my dream that when Christian and Faithful got out of the wilderness, they immediately saw a town before them, and the name of that town was Vanity. In that town is prompted a fair called Vanity Fair. It is held all year long. And it's called Vanity Fair because of the name of the town. For the town is brighter than Vanity. Mm-hmm. And also because all that is sold there and all who come there are worthless. As the saying of the wise says, all this world promotes its vanity. Okay, is that MC? Are you available to read now? Okay, go ahead. Yes, I am. I yes, Psalm 62 9. Come on, people. People come on. Common people are as worthless as a puff of wind, vanity. And the powerful are not what they appear to be. If you weigh them on the scales, together they are lighter than the breath of air, vanity. Ecclesiastic 1 8. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. This fair is not a newly erected business, but is actually an ancient enterprise. Let me tell you about its origin. Almost 5,000 years ago, there were pilgrims walking to the Celestial City, just like Faithful and Christian are doing. So Belzebub, Apollyon, and Legion, with their associates, perceived by seeing the path made by the pilgrims on their way to the city, that the us lay through this town of vanity. They planned to set up a fair here, a fair at which all sorts of vanity could be sold and make festives open and ongoing the whole year. Therefore, at this fair, the sells such merchandise as houses, land, trades, places, honors, promotions, titles, countries, kingdoms, lusts, and pleasures of all sorts, including things such as harlots, wives, husbands, children, masters, servants, lives, blood, bodies, souls, silver, gold, pearls, precious stones, and much more. And along with all this, at this fair, there is constant round-the-clock entertainment, like juggling, cheats, games, plays, clowns, mimics, tricksters, and robes, and other amusements of every kind. Here, visitors can also find free offers that include thefts, 
murders, adulteries, perjuries, and all of them are available in various shades of a blood red color. As in other fairs of less importance, there are several lanes and streets with representatives' names where certain categories of merchandise are marketed. In the, the same way, at this fair, you have the proper places, lanes and streets, which bear names of countries and kingdoms. It is in these places that goods of this fair are easily found. This is the Britain role, the French role, the Italian role, the Spanish role, the German role, all of which offer a variety of vanities for sale. But just like other fairs, where one commodity dominates the market, here too the most sought after of all the fair is the merchandise of Rome, for it is greatly promoted. Some like our English nation and others have taken a dislike for this Oscarine. Now, as I said, the way to the celestial city lies through this town, with its lost lost fair, which is held year round. Those who think they are going to avoid the city will still have to go out of the world. The prince of princes himself, when he was here, passed through this town on his way to his own country during a time when the fair was full in operation. Hospital Fortwell, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fairy trials you are going through, as if something strange were happening to you. I believe it was Belzebub, the chief lord of this fair, who invited him to buy some of his vanities. Yes, he would have made him lord of this fair. If only he would have shown him reverence, then bowed to him as he went through the town. Plus, because he was such a person of honor, Belzebub escorted him from street to street and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a brief amount of time and that he might, if possible, lure that blessed one to lower himself and buy some of his vanities. Matthew 4, 8, 9. Again, the devil took him up into an exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and said unto him, All these things I will give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. But he paid no attention to the merchandise and therefore left the town. Without spending so much as one cent upon these vanities. So this is this fair is of ancient origins and is long-standing and very large fair. Thank you very much. So the vanity fair described there is described as one of ancient origin, meaning that uh, it's been in existence for so long and also a very large fair. I hope you followed the reading. Uh, so the first question we want to attempt to discuss this evening is this. How is Vanity Fair like the world today? If indeed, if, if you follow the reading, uh, of course, at the beginning of this of, of this section of the chapter we are reading today, uh, we, we listen to the reading of the description of the fair. 
How is it like the world today? And uh, the second question, which of the goods sold at Vanity Fair do you think is not really, really vanity or not really vain? Which of the goods? And uh, we're going to scroll up again to that part of the of the text. And the third question, very quickly, so I can move on. How can we avoid passing through Vanity Fair in our pilgrimage? So if you've been following the reading, let's go back to the top of, of this chapter on page two. Then I saw in my dream... Christian and faithful got out of the wilderness, they got to the vanity, and then the place is called vanity. And of course, uh, you had that description there on page three, what the what is sold at that fair. So how is the vanity fair? How is it like the world today? And I'm asking us to pay attention to the merchandise sold at vanity fair on page three. It says, at this fair, they sell such merchandise as houses, land, trades, places, honors, promotions, titles, countries, kingdoms, lost pleasures of all sorts, including things such as harlot, wives, husbands, children, masters, servants, lives, blood, bodies, souls, silver, gold, pearls, precious stones, and much more. And of course, in addition to that, all those juggling, cheats, games, plays. How is Vanity Fair like the world today? Anyone here in the virtual studio uh, wanted to make an attempt at that, and you can join us too at gospelbearstudio.com and, and make a contribution by, by sending a text or sending a voice note as well. Go ahead, man. believe it's exactly like the world today. Mm. Everything that was available there is available now for sale. For also. sale, exactly. Exactly. And of course, I agree with you because you look at the merchandise described there uh, at Vanity Fair. It's just like the world, just like the world today. And, and what is interesting is uh, the statement that where well, this fair was created by who? Who can recall, according to this text, who, who, who created this fair? Because I, I think the author, in, that, in, his, in the dream he had, he tried to... Uh, to to give an history of how that fair was created. And if you paid attention at some point, yeah, go ahead. Okay, I thought somebody wanted to make a contribution. Give a description well, of... I think I, said, I believe it was Belzebub. Exactly. Yeah, this exactly. the chief lord of this fair. Yeah. To buy some of and why did he create it? Or, or, or what led him to create it according to this text? I think there were the, there were three of them that created it, according to this text. Text, yes. So Belzebub, Apollyon, and Legion. And Legion, their, yes. There were even more than three with their associates. With their associates, okay, that's true. By seeing the path made by the pilgrims on their way to the city, that the course lay through this town of vanity. vanity. They planned to set up a fair here. Mm, interesting. So we can say Satan and his cohorts. Exactly, Satan and his cohort. And why did they so? So they uh, they discovered that oh, this is where these pilgrims pass to go to the celestial city. Oh, why don't we? Why don't we try and distract them? Right? Why don't we set up a fair where if they get you know, for example, somebody who is going to the celestial city begins to travel and then gets there and sees ah houses on sale, ah, beauty on sale, pleasure on sale, ah, countries on sale, power on sale, kingdoms on sale. I, I mean, every so, all, all the merchandise described there 
servants on sale, children on sale, wives on sale, precious stone, everything. Ah, well, uh, do you not think that uh, a person may be tempted to, to make a stop and say, well, I'm going to the Celestial City. It, it is said to be a beautiful place, but this is a fantastic place as well. Uh, I can buy power here. I can buy pleasure here. Harlots, all sorts. I can buy all sorts here. And then, uh, according to this text, that is why Satan, Beelzebub, and his associate, Apollyon, and Legion, and all that, 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 they set up that fear. They said to themselves, look, this is the way that these pilgrims passed. Let's set up this fear here and just distract them. Thank you very much, Venerable, uh, uh, for joining us uh, on WhatsApp. This is what you asked me. say, Vanity Fair is a vivid description of ancient and modern world. The falling world, exactly. You're absolutely right, sir. Thank you very much, sir. A vivid, a clear description of the ancient and modern world, the falling world. So the falling world is the world that is concerned with all of these things, all of these things. So I think we've answered that first question uh, correctly. Vanity Fair is like our world today. It's also like the world that has gone before our own time. There's always been like that. Uh, so many distractions on our way to the heavenly city. So we're asking now, which of the goods sold at Vanity Fair do you think... Now, this is your opinion. It's not really vanity. And I'm asking this question deliberately because I look at the description on page 3. The description on page 3, uh, third paragraph, of the merchandise sold at Vanity Fair. Look at it. Houses, land, trades, places honors, promotions, titles, countries, kingdoms, lost, and places of all sorts. At that point, you may begin to say, well, they are, they are, they are all vanity. And then you begin now to see wives, husbands, children, masters, servants. You may begin to question yourself, why should uh, the sale of such merchandise be regarded as vanity? And then silver, gold, pearls, precious stones. So uh, look at these, the decision of the merchandise sold at Vanity Fair, which would you say is not really, well, vanity? Can I give it a try? Yes, please go ahead. Okay. Now looking at this um, third paragraph, mm. um, when I see houses, Mm. And I see husbands, I see children, I see this as part of life, mm. part of what we need mm. to be able to live in this world. At a point in time, we want to have a house, a roof over our head. At a point in time, we want to get married. At a point in time, we want to have children. Mm. That I would say, okay, it might not be vanity. But in all... And at a point in time, you want to like, oh, I want to have um, clothes. I want to get this. I want to get that. But I think from this, in all, we should it should not swerve us from our pilgrimage journey. Mm. It shouldn't. We should not. We should not put it as um, importance as in uh, without this, I can't be nowhere. So I feel that um, why they still consider everything as vanity, and why I feel that some is not vanity is because oh, they are essential needs. Mm-hmm. But Above this essential needs, mm. we should be able to be still be focused in our journey, journey, in our pilgrimage, and in our Christian race. It should not swerve us from the right path. From the right path. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for that insight, Demi. Yeah, God bless you, very good. Uh, and I love that insight. Yes, go ahead. I think it's MC, right? 
Yes. What is vanity? Mm. It says that vanity is an excessive pride or admir admiration mm. of one's own achievements. All these study here are all our achievements. Husbands, wife, children, they're all that we own. Mm. But in reality, none of them is going to go with us. Mm. That's true. So I consider everything vanity. The only thing that goes with us, you know, to the celestial city will mm. be our soul at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All is vanity. No matter how you can't take your husband or your children with you. Or your children with you. You can lead them right. You can put them on the right path so that they, 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 they you know, so that they get to their own celestial city. Exactly. But none of these things, none of these achievements can go with us. So it is important we understand that. Everything mm. in life, in this world, that we see written here is vanity. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you for that insight. That is a very deep one as well. And I, I, so two different angles now. Sister B. I agree completely with both of them. Mm. There's nothing that is not vanity here once it's outside of Christ. Mm. Nothing, it? we must value nothing more than we value Christ. And indeed, if we look at each of these things, are we going to forsake Christ if we don't have them? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Perchance you don't have a wife, perchance you don't have a husband, perchance you don't have children, mm. perchance you don't have servants, you know, mm. all these things that are there. That's they true. seem like things you cannot do without. Mm. But the truth is that if they are taken away from you, would you, mm. because of that, no longer serve Christ? Mm. Amazing. You would. Exactly. If you are for Christ. Yeah. Exactly. So at the end of the day, just like the preacher said, all is vanity. All is vanity. It's not that they are not good. God mm -hmm. wants them for us. Mm -hmm. After all, he created Eve for, for Adam. Adam. Mm -hmm. So it's not that he frowns at that or he doesn't want us to enjoy life, but we should value him above all else. Above all else. Just like Abraham, even after he was given that valuable child, Isaac, mm. when God asked him for it, for him, yes, he willingly exactly. offered because he had realized that God is more than enough for, for him. He gave him the child. So if he wants it, he can have it because he knows that he could give him much more mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Wow. So we should learn to value God above everything else. No one should be as important Exactly. Or more important than God. Than God. Thank you so very much, Ra. And I, and I love how, how, how we've all uh, addressed this. Uh, Sister Joe, we're talking about exactly that. Uh, some of them look like they're important to us, even, even needed for this life, but none of them should uh, be valued above our pilgrimage. I love what Mr. said as well, that none of the people or things listed there will go with us to the celestial city. We are going to appear each person before the judgment throne of God. So although we put some people in the right in the right path, but they're not going to go with us. And with what the second said here, exactly none of them should be capable of separating us from uh, from our pilgrimage, from our, no matter how important they are, even if you don't have a children, for example, or a wife or a husband, or you don't have servants, or you don't have honor in this world, that should not that, that should not separate you or stop you from continuing in the pilgrimage. Thank you, Mommy OG, for joining us on WhatsApp, saying, I think all is vanity. Nothing is permanent in the world. 
we must focus on Jesus alone. Exactly. So very similar to what Sister MC said, nothing is permanent. None of them, even the ones that uh, that look like they are just good for us and for our lives. And, and, I, and I thank God that we, we all share this opinion because I've been in a place where some people argued very uh, strenuously that some should not be classified as vanity. And you know, Mr. B, what you said earlier on, if we put together the history of the Vanity Fair, how it came about, and then the list of this merchandise, we begin to get a sense of the purpose of putting them there, Right. Uh, so sometimes maybe somebody who uh, has desperately been trying to get married for so long uh, uh, and has not gotten married, has no, has no wife, and then he, he's traveling to the Celestial City and he gets to Vanity Fair and they say, hey, Mr. Man, there, there are wives there. There are wives. Ah, that's what I've been wanting all my life. Oh, there are wives. If, if you will settle in this fair, uh, you are going to get married. You know, it is possible for somebody like that to then settle at Vanity Fair and say, well, I've been looking for this source for so long, or children, and somebody unfortunately who has not asked it. Look, finally, I can have a child there. Maybe I should just settle in this. I mean, there's no point going ahead, or, or honor, or gold, or pearls, or stones. And I, I, I think we, we, we have hit it right, uh, the nail right on the head. None of the merchandise listed there, none of them is not vanity. It is vanity. So, how can we avoid, how can we avoid passing through Vanity Fair in our pilgrimage? Seeing uh, that we know the history now of Vanity Fair, that it was put there by Satan and his hosts to distract pilgrims, to entice them away. And remember again that in this in this section, we are read of how Satan even tried to lure our Lord himself, our Lord himself, Matthew 4, uh, from pursuing his, his mission on earth. And he said, look, look at the kingdoms of the world, the merchandise at Vanity Fair, I will give them all to you, just bow down to me. Uh, so, how can we avoid passing through Vanity Fair as we journey along? How can we avoid passing through Vanity Fair in our pilgrimage? Of course, it, it, yes, go ahead, Sam. Um, with the from the texts we you know that we read here, how did Jesus? Um, how did they pass through the vanity fair with what the devil tried doing? Mm. He paid sorry, excuse me. He paid no attention to the merchandise. Exactly. He paid no attention to, to the vanity. merchandise. Hmm. Yes. The, you know, so how can we avoid the default task? It is well, it's doable. Hmm. Jesus Christ did it. It is doable, but it is difficult. Because is it possible for us to pass through? Um, our needs, yeah, you know, needs, um, children, yeah. you know, the life issues, our husbands, and all that, you know, it's difficult, but you know, it's it's doable for us to pass through them and still stand, pay no attention to the things that would that would um, distract us or and um, take our faces away from from the celestial city. From celestial city, yeah. Thank you so very much. Uh, I also have there in the chat room, Sister uh, saying uh, we should not place the merchandise above Christ. Exactly. We also have there on WhatsApp, uh, Sister Lady Oji saying we cannot avoid passing through Vanity Fair, but we need to take it lest we fall. Okay, I love this answer because if that question was a trick question, how can we avoid? The truth is we cannot avoid passing through it. As Sister MC mentioned, we should be like Jesus Christ, paying no attention to the merchandise. Sister B, Yes, 
uh, pay no attention to the merchandise. But um, how did he do that? Mm. If we remember that uh, when he was tempted, before yes. he was tempted, yes. he was taken into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Yes. And he had fasted. Exactly. You know? In fasting, he had crucified the flesh. Mm. So mm. nothing allured him anymore. And that's exactly. one thing we too can try to do, to crucify our flesh. Mm. When we crucify our flesh, really, everything, nothing will attract us anymore. It will be, we will see everything <laughs> for, as for, for, vanity. For, really. for what it is, exactly. Uh, yes, we will see everything as vanity. The allure of the world, nothing will mean much to you exactly. anymore. All this... Um, grandiose lifestyle everything we pale in comparison to the love for god mm. and you will not bow down to satan for anything mm. anything we've exactly. seen people that are desperate for children and they go to satan yeah and they give them all sorts of children people desperate for money mm -hmm. that they are willing to to kill their loved ones even for this money Mm. You know, these are real. These things are happening in, exactly. in our own in our own time. Um, in our own time, we are seeing it every day. It's 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 so it's interesting. Mm. Thank you so much. But it, we just have to emulate Christ. That's how He was able to overcome. To overcome, and we yeah. to, to try to overcome, just as He did. Just as He did. Thank you very much. Help. Exactly. Thank you very much. And I love that we all got that. It's a trick question. How can we avoid passing through? We cannot avoid passing through Vanity Fair, even as the author described it there, that even our Lord uh, did not avoid. He even said somewhere in the text that all those who want to get to the celestial city must necessarily pass through, because that is the way. That is the way to go through the celestial city. I love what you said, Sister B, about uh, following the example of our Lord. One way to rise above above uh, the temptation to be distracted by the by the merchandise the the golden fl flashy merchandise at vanity fair is to crucify the flesh fully and uh, and of course this this scripture comes to mind in in galatians i mean galatians 5 24 those who belong to christ jesus have crucified the flesh with its passion and desires and when you spoke about uh, valuing the kingdom more than any other thing which you remember what our lord said uh, when he was describing the kingdom of heaven matthew 13 the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field when a man found it he hid it again and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field meaning that uh, the kingdom the pursuit of the kingdom should be uh, should be above all else, above all else. Thank you also very much. I, I love the answers we have given there. We cannot avoid passing through that city, but we must not be distracted by it. Okay, let's go to section B. Welcome to those who are just joining us. Uh, uh, Grandma yeah, sorry, I want to say something. You okay, know? It's a very, very hard question mm -hmm. that, you know, deserves um a lot of um contemplation now? Uh, self examination mm. you see we we can talk yes because talk is cheap mm. i i want to say that number one these things are basic things in life mm. Some of you them. understand? Yes. No, no, no. They are basic. No, no, no. We that 
basic things. Then we came to Christ. Different orientation because we are new creature. Yes. We need to renew our minds to be transformed and everything. And Jesus said, I'm the true vine. My father is the gardener. Mm. So that means if you abide, is at a point of abiding. On earth, Jesus did nothing without his father. Mm-hmm. Was always referring to his father. Father, abiding. You know, if you've been to Vindia before, you find that, that even the vine and the branches, there is no separation. They are all twisted together. Together, yes. You know, in most cases, they use a stick or something to lift them up because you cannot distinguish the tree from, yeah, from the, the branch. Branches. Exactly. So, and that's what Jesus is asking us to do to die. You don't see yourself anymore. You see yourself in that tree. Mm. And when you see yourself in that tree, Jesus did. And how did he do it? Number one, he had a vision. What is our vision? He came and he said, "My a body you've prepared for me. I've come to do your will as it is written of me. I delight to do your will. Yes. He knew his vision. He goes to the Samaritans. You know, they said they saw Jerusalem in his face. Mm. How could you see Jerusalem in somebody's face? Mm. Determination, commitment, focus. Because he knew his vision. Paul said, I did not disobey the heavenly vision. What God has told him, he will take the gospel here and there to the Gentile, and that he will get to Rome. Mm. See how Paul got to Rome. See what happened to him to get to Rome. Yes. Vision. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Purpose. You know, the Bible says God has a pattern for us. You know, I'm reading the Old Testament. Please, I'm sorry I'm taking time. But yeah, if I, if I, I wanted to say that. We, okay, okay, very good. Go, go ahead. Just run it up. Yes. Okay. It, Old Testament, when we read Leviticus and we read the numbers and God was was specific. Mm. Moses, according to pattern. According to pattern. Moses, according to pattern. According to pattern. Do we know the pattern that God had of us before we came? Exactly. Yeah, I'm asking myself that question. That God, let me f- live according to the pattern that you have. Because it's according to the pattern that he has that is going to judge me. Thank you it's very much. It's according to his pattern. Exactly. Do I know the pattern? Do I know my... And I'm not talking about service now because we mistake, mistakenly take service for purpose. We yeah. mistakenly take service for vision. Thank you so very much. And then if we do the focus, the commitment, the discipline, 
may the Lord help us. This is not the platform to, to start talking. <laughs> so, but I just want us to think on that line. No, no, it, it, it is important. Uh, thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You, you got it just right. The, the most important thing, as we all have said there, uh, as you have emphasized, is to know what our calling is, what our calling is, and then to make every other thing secondary to, to it. In fact, like a distant, distant thought uh, to it. That calling, uh, that calling, hold on to that calling, looking on to Jesus, looking on to him, the author and finisher of our faith. And I love how you reference how Luke described our Lord, said at the, when the time came, he set his face on Jerusalem. His mission, he set his face on Jerusalem. He would not do anything. He would not be distracted. And he set his face. And that's, we, that's how we should set our face as well. It is not easy because you look at all, all the things mentioned there. Hmm. Some of them are things that we naturally crave. Uh, I mean, again, we don't have the time to, to go into uh, human wants and desires. But then uh, the calling is that none of them should be uh, prioritized above our Lord. Let's go to section B, and then we'll see some of these themes recurring so we can still address them as we go along. Sec- section B, this is where uh, started to lead us, and CMC will be on standby as well. MC is still on the call. All right. Okay, section good. Section B. Yes, go ahead. When the pilgrims arrived, they were clothed with garments different from any available at that day. Mm-hmm. When the people saw them, they stared at them and talked about what manner of people they might be. Some said they were fools. Others said they were lunatics. And some that they were strange and unusual. First Corinthians 4, 9 and 10. Okay, no, so somebody else will read that. Oh, we... Hold on, Tutu. Oh, sorry. Good, yeah, go ahead. Okay. First, First Corinthians 4, 9 and 10. For we are made a spectacle unto the world, and to angels, and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but ye are prudent in Christ. We are weak, but ye are strong. Ye are honorable, but we are despised. First Peter 2, 9. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result... You can show others the goodness of God, and for He called you out of the darkness into His wonderful light. Okay. Go ahead. I'm reading now, right? Yes, yes. Okay. Secondly, the great crowd wondered at their clothing, and in the same way, they were curious about their speech, for few would understand what they said. They naturally spoke the language of those who have sworn allegiance to the Lord Almighty. But those who ran the fair were men of this world. So from one end of the fair to the other, the people seemed barbarians to each other. 1 Corinthians 2, 7 and 8. No, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God. His plan that was previously hidden even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. Thirdly, and this astonished the merchant, was how the pilgrims placed each little value on all the wares being sold. They didn't even care to browse. And if vendors called out to them to buy their wares, 
they put their fingers in their ears and cried, Turn away my eyes from beholding worthless vanity. And they looked upward, signifying that their trade and commerce was in heaven. Psalm 119.37 Turn away my eyes from beholding vanity, and cause me to live in thy way. Philippians 3.20 and 21 For our citizenship is in heaven, from where we also look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall transform our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto the body of his glory, according to the working by which he is also able to subdue all things unto himself. One mocking, one mocking merchant observed the strange behavior of faithful and Christian and said to them, What will you buy? The pilgrims looked at him with serious expressions and said, We buy the truth. Buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. Proverbs 23.23 With this answer, the merchants and others took the opportunity to deride the men even more. Some mocked. Some taunted, some spoke with reproach, and some called for others to strike them. It turned into a notable commotion and grew into a great disturbance, to the point that everywhere you looked, the fair was in disorder. As a result, word quickly reached the governor of the fair. He came down right away and appointed deputies from some of his most trusted friends. He put this in charge of investigating what happened and to examine the pilgrims about why they had nearly overturned the faith. So faithful and Christian were taken for further investigation. Acts 17.6 But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Thank you very much. And I love that we are referencing Acts 17.6 here because that's similar to what uh, the charge uh, laid uh, against Christian and faithful. People who have come to disrupt the fair, they've turned the fair upside down. Uh, the same charge that was laid against some of the apostles in Acts 17.6, these people who have turned the world upside down, they have come here too. So I hope you'll be following the reading. Number one, mention the specific things that were different about Christian and faithful compared to those at Vanity Fair. So this section of this chapter is about the strangeness of, I don't want to call it uniqueness, but the strangeness of Christian and faithful compared to those at Vanity Fair. Uh, if, you've been, if, if you follow the text, mention the specific things that were different about them. And then in the same, in the same breath, are we called to be different in the specific ways that Christian and faithful were different? We got to be different in the specific ways that they were different. So, so we can reference the text again. You can, you can start from uh, from maybe verse five. I'm sorry, just a verse, page five. It says when when the pilgrims arrived, they were clothed with garments different from any available at the fair. So, do we agree that that's the one specific way they were different? Right. Because they got to the fair. And their dressing was different from the dressing of the people at the fair. 
the garment that they wore different. He says, secondly, the great crowd wondered at their clothing, and in the same way, they were curious about their speech. So we found two things now, their garment, their clothing, perhaps so that, that may be like some literary uh, style for both the, the, the substance of what they wore and the, the way they wore it, it was different from that of the people at the fair. And then they were so curious about their speech, for few could understand what they were saying. They naturally spoke the language of those who had sworn allegiance to the Lord of heaven. And then it says, thirdly, this is on page six. Now, thirdly, and this astonished the merchant, was how these pilgrims placed little value on all the wear sold. So we see uh, about three specific ways that Christian and faithful were different from those at the fair. Their clothing, including the garment, the speech, their speech, and then what they paid attention to. So the question is, are we also called to be different in the specific ways that Christian and faithful were different from those at the fair? And of course, that's not a trick question, right? That's not a trick question. Uh, in, in appearance, we are called to be different. And I, and I love that we referenced earlier on that passage from Peter, we are a chosen generation, we are a royal priesthood, peculiar people, Peculiar people, different. We are called to be different. So in this case, Christian and faithful were different in the type of dress they wore, the garment. They were different in in speech. Of course, it wasn't that they were speaking in they were speaking in tongues, but but you know they were not using the same language. So maybe in our own time, uh, we'll be talking about foul language, right? Uh, street language, a language that may be popular in the culture, but should not proceed from the mouth of someone who has sworn allegiance to the Lord of heaven. And I love the way John Boyan put this. He said their speech was different. Uh, it was, do, was like those of those, those of whom have sworn allegiance to the Lord of heaven. So their clothing was different. Their garment, this, their speech was different. And of course, what they paid attention to was different as well. So meaning that when they were passing through the fair, but unlike other people who were in the fair, well, they were looking. They were not even looking. They were not paying attention at, at, at all. Just like what we said earlier on when we were considering uh, section A. I love what Sister Fumbia has written there in the chat room. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. And we are going to get to that very shortly. Thank you for bringing that up. Now, this is one part I want us to contribute. Where it says, did you hear? It said one, and I'm reading from page seven now. I think this is page seven. Yeah, page seven. The first paragraph of page seven. So, because they were so different, and many people were marveling at the who are these people? Strange clothing, strange dressing, strange speech, uh, strange. Uh, they, they were not even paying attention to the popular things. They one mocking merchant observed the strange behavior of faithful and Christian and said to them, "What will you buy?" That question, "What will you buy?" We are asking now: Is the world still asking us this question today? What will you buy? What will you buy? Is the world still asking us that question today? Let, let, let's contribute to okay. this. Yes, go ahead, man. Um, <laughs> um, when um, I'm just thinking about the the clothings mm. today. Yes. When we get out, we go out to parties, or even in the church. Mm. Is there any difference between the world? Is there any difference? Because um, these people didn't, you know, they didn't announce themselves that they're Christians. 
but the appearance alone. I remember when I was growing up, if you enter a place, the people will say, oh, I'm a today. That is, Omokriyo means a Omo Christian. Christian. Yes. A Christian child, yes. Omokriyo, that's the way they address us then. Omokriyo today. Today, what the people dictate in our fashion? What we wear, what we don't wear, how we tie our headgear, how we, you know? the makeup, the, and I'm not saying these things are bad, mm. but I'm just saying because they distinguish themselves. It's not that they're, they're not properly dressed. It's not that they were not decently dressed. It's not that they were not, you know, um, attractively dressed. They were. I mean, Christian and faithful. But there was something about them. There was something that distinguished them. I've always wondered, when Jesus was to be arrested, mm. why would Judas kiss him to distinguish him among all the other disciples? disciples? And they were not born again. They were not born again. But he had to do something to identify him. What you, what you look is what you become. Yes. You understand? So, aha. Uh -huh. And then, you know, today, Really, really, I'm asking that as you are talking, I'm asking myself questions that, okay, if I get to a place, will I really say, okay, this person, without saying a word, oh, is a believer, is a disciple. I don't even like that Christian thing. I call myself a disciple. Is a disciple or a believer. Hmm. Is it so evident in, our, in the society today, in our lives? Is this evident? And then the speech, you know, the slangs, mm -hmm. that old slangs, uh, you know, the worldly slang, perverse uh, jokes, and uh, we contribute and uh, we laugh. Even if we don't contribute, we laugh. And, you know, acceptance. Yeah. Or we don't say something, uh -huh. or we don't say anything against it. Exactly. Or we just say, oh, please. Or do our friends, in, the, in a, you know, when we're in their midst, they'll say, oh, Yes, today, don't exactly. say that. Too. Thank you, so, 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 like, like you mentioned, you know, that, I love when you mentioned that they get more creative. Very, I mean, old expression, but you see that in those days, people would say, Um, oh, Christian today, really, or when they see you from afar, we'll leave it. This one must be a Christian. Thank you, ma. Thank mm -hmm. you so much. So, uh, so that's the challenge that, well, let others see Jesus in you. Can people see Jesus in us, uh, Sister B? Yes, when mommy was speaking, yes, it reminded me of um, a function I attended yesterday. Okay, at a point, I a thought came into my mind that if rapture happens now, mm. how many of those of us present will make it to heaven? Mm. Because it was a Christian function. But I was very uncomfortable with a lot of the dresses the ladies wore. And I wondered within myself if we were truly born again and if rapture happened, whether we will make it. So it just goes to support what mommy has said that um, 
we may need to really uh, evaluate our Christianity again because we are gradually, we've gradually, I don't even know whether it is we that have entered the world or the world that has entered us, but there's no marked difference anymore. Both. <laughs> yeah, uh, brother Femi. Yeah, go ahead, Doug. Yeah, I, th I thank God for Mommy and uh, Sister B coming from that perspective. And I will approach the matter from a slightly different perspective, which encompasses what they have raised, mm. however. Now, I'll be looking at the dressing and the speech mm. from two levels. The first level is the conceptual level, and the second level is the contextual level. Sister B and Mommy have addressed the contextual level within the context of parties and our daily living. Mm. How are we supposed to dress? Yeah. Now, the conceptual level is slightly deeper. And we see that in Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, I will take the liberty of reading to save us time. Ephesians chapter 4, I will read from verse 22. It says that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, mm. which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Verse 24 then says, and that ye put on the new man, mm. which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now, conceptually, this is where Vanity Fair will be so different mm. from the strangers that came. Now, one is bedecked in corruption and deceitful lusts. That is their own dressing. Yeah. Now, the other, these strangers, they are decked in righteousness and true holiness. Mm. So you see, and Sister Biwo and Mommy, they were talking about, are we truly Christians? At a point, Mommy said, I don't even like the way the Christian, I smile. Mm. Yeah, you see, the problem is not with the terminology, really. The terminology was actually meant for strangers appearing in their speech and yeah. in their dressing. Yeah. In, in Antioch, they were actually strange people. Mm. That was why they called them Christians. Christians. But the Christians of today are no longer that strange. They are blended into the background. Mm. They are very much alive to the world, and the world is alive to them. See, but these strangers that came, Galatians chapter 6, verse 14 says that they were actually crucified to mm. the world, and the world was crucified to them. So conceptually, there was nothing of vanity fair that would be present in them. And there was nothing in them that would be present in vanity fair. Yeah. So that was wh why that difference was so marked. Now, when we go to their speech, also conceptual and contextual. In the contextual, we have talked about the jokes we listen to, the ones we relate to, the ones we participate in, mm. even laugh at. And sometimes my children, they think I'm a bit too old-fashioned or too strict. Maybe some a, a comedian like Woliagba, mm. when he's uh, when he's trivializing, you know, uh, vestments that are sacred. Yeah. You know, they are dancing in a very responsible manner mm. in a, a choir room. Mm. And I'm saying, the day these clothes were brought into the sanctuary, they were all, they were they were consecrated. Mm. They are not meant for jokes. You must understand that when people enter into the vestry and come out of that vestry, yes, it may look like mere ceremony, but it was depicting a spiritual state. Mm -hmm. Yes, it may look like ceremony today. They are not ceremonies. They are actually reminders 
of the real things that happen to us. They are reminders. So inside that vestry, the things there are, are sacred in, in worship. They are not things that we just play with. But you see, they are joking with the choir robe and everybody's laughing. And we thought that was the worst until people started joking with tongues. Exactly. Contextually, yeah. uh, they will be joking with, with tongues, the mysteries of the spirit, the depth of an outflow of living water out of our bellies. That's what they are joking with. Uh, you see? And I'm saying, ah, no, 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 no. You cannot laugh at that. And my children are thinking, okay, but if if the man is just singing and making light of a few things, yeah. why, why should I... Why should we not laugh? Then I show them from Romans chapter 1, verse 31. He says, knowing the judgment of God mm. on those that, that do them, and not only do them, but take pleasure in those in who them. do them. Exactly. I say, you cannot take pleasure. That's why when the strangers got to Vanity Fair, it was against their conceptual background and fundamental truths to be able to participate. Yeah. It was not just that the things that were going on were wrong contextually. But conceptually, they cannot participate. And finally, I'll be speaking from Colossians chapter 4, where we see the difference in context with regard to their speech. Colossians chapter 4, I hope I got it right. Ah, well, maybe if I get it. Where it says that our speech should be should seasoned, be seasoned yeah. with salt. See, a man who speaks, yes, like, uh, four, six, six, four, he six. says, Yes, four six. It says, "Let your speech be always with grace." Hallelujah, yeah. seasoned with, with salt, salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. A few days ago, a younger brother of mine—we are not related by blood, but by Jesus—you know—he was in Kenya, I was in the UK, and he was just talking with me about a project that we are doing together. Uh, and you know, we're just talking about the project, but the man began to prophesy. He did not know. Mm. But as I was in the UK, my whole body was tingling with the degree of power that was reaching me. And then when he had finished speaking, I said, Sunday, you thought you were just speaking English, but you were prophesying, prophesying into my future. Mm -hmm. I could see you telling me things that I will be stepping into. And then he smiled. He said, did I know that when he got to that point, he got up from his seat. He had to stand to declare these things. He did not even know. But here I was, several thousands of kilometers or miles really? away from exactly. him, and I could perceive grace that was being discharged in my direction. Let me round it off there. So conceptually, they are different. Contextually, they are different. Exactly. The putting on of the new man makes you so different from those who are still wearing the old man. And then your speech that is seasoned with grace is vastly different from speech that is reveling in mm. disgrace. I pray God will help us. Amen. 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 I mean, thank you so very much. And I love the, the point that we all have made. Some, somebody has said that of all the calls in the scriptures, a call to this and to that, to our faith, the most important call, the first call above all else is the one we have in 2 Corinthians 6, 17. Come out from among them and be separate. And be separate, says the Lord. And Doug, I love that you emphasize Romans 1, 32. And I think for the Christian church today, uh, that's a portion we need to emphasize. Not only those who commit these things are worthy of death, 
Not only those who do them, but those who have pleasure in them that do them. And I mean, that's something we have to pause. We have to consider, reflect on, and be and be warned and be warned and cautioned by not only those who do these things, but those who have pleasure in them that do them. I pray the Lord will uh, speak to all of us. And uh, as it is written, if today you hear His voice, do not do not harden your heart. May the Lord lead us aright in the name of Jesus. Amen. There's a question here from this section that we've not Amen. that we've not addressed. What will you buy? One of them asked them, "What will you buy?" We ask, is the world still asking us this question today? What will you buy? And to answer that, you have to look at the merchandise on display oh, yeah. at Vanity Fair again. Is the world still asking mm-hmm. us today? What will you buy? What will you buy? Uh, husband, yeah. wife, children, mm-hmm. master. Meaning that, what will you buy with your soul? What will you exchange your soul for? What will you buy that will make you settle at Vanity mm-hmm. Fair? And not continue uh, in your pilgrimage. Mm-hmm. Our Lord said, "Well, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul?" And I do pray that uh, when we hear uh, the merchant at Vanity Vanity Fair calling and say, "What will you buy?" See, uh, it is not only even to say, "I'm not buying." He says, "Don't pay attention at all to their words. Don't even pay attention. Don't even look at them. Uh, don't even look at at what they have." On, on sale. Of course, we made that distinction. You, you, you know, wives, husbands, children. The the lesson there is uh, don't uh, don't don't cross that red line. Don't cross that red line to to get any of the merchandise on display at Vanity Fair. Okay, for many of our time, we're going to move on. Many of these themes are recurring, so we can still talk about some of these. Things. Let's go to section C. C. So, Sister Domi now and Sister Yemsi. Don't stand by. So, so at, at this point now, you know, they've caused commotion and they've been brought before the magistrate now. They, they, so that's where we are now. Okay, do me. Those who presided over the precedent asked them where they came from and where they were going and why they were wearing such unusual clothing. Faithful and Christian told them they were pilgrims and strangers in the world, and that they were going to their own country, which was called the heavenly Jerusalem, mm. and that they had done nothing to cause the men of the town or the merchant to mistreat them or to delay their journey. The only exception they could think of was when the merchant had asked them what they would buy and they had responded that they would buy the truth. For those that say such things declare plainly that they seek their native country, but now they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Hebrews eleven fourteen and 16. But those who were appointed to investigate the uproar did not believe them. They thought the two pilgrims were nothing more than madmen and lunatics who came from the purpose of throwing the fair into confusion. Therefore, they took them and beat them, smeared them with dirt, and then put them into a cage as a spectacle in front of all the men of the fair. There, the two pilgrims lay caged for some time as objects of sport, malice or revenge from the men of that place. 
All the while, the governor of the fair laughed at all that happened to them. But the pilgrims remained patient and did not return abuse for abuse. Instead, offered a blessing while speaking good words for bad and showed kindness in the face of brutal treatment. Matthew 5:44. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Some men in the fair noticed their example. These men were more observant and less prejudiced than the rest. They began to restrain and accuse the disreputable men for their continual mistreatment of the captives. This made the disreputable sorts all the more angry. And they flew into a range at those trying to hold them back. They counted them as bad as the caged pilgrims and accused them as accomplices worthy of the same mistreatment. In response, the others replied that as far as they could see, the caged men were quiet, sober, and harmless. They went on to say that many others who attended the fair were more worthy of being put into the caged and ridiculed than the men whom they had mistreated in this way. A variety of opinions were exchanged from both sides. While Christian and faithful behaved themselves, acting very wisely and soberly the whole time. But the word exchanged turned to blows between the opposing groups and they did harm to one another. Faithful and Christian were once again dragged before their examiners and charged as guilty for causing the disturbance in the fair. As their punishment, they were beaten unmercifully, hung in irons and led in chains up and down the lanes of the fair as an example and warning to others who might think to speak on behalf of the pilgrims or to state with them. Even in all this, Christian and faithful behaved with increasing wisdom and much meekness and patience and made humiliation and shame heaped upon them. With such behavior, they won several of the men in the fair to their side, though the number are few in comparison to the rest. This generated even more range in the aggressive opening to the point that they sought the death of the two captives. With this, they announced, this caged the hyans are not a sufficient penalty for what these men have done. They should die for the damage they, are, they have caused and for deceiving the men of the fair. Then Christian and faithful were imprisoned in the cage again until the process of the Lord decided that what should be done with them so they locked their feet fast and stopped inside the cage. With their feet locked in the stove, they recalled that their faithful friend Evangelist had told them. It helped them accept their current circumstances and to be assured that the sufferings and trials they were experiencing were exactly what he told them would happen to them. 
Matthew 5, 11 and 12. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. With this in mind, they now comforted, comforted each other in that whoever would suffer death, he would have the advantage. In this heart, each man secretly wished that he might be the one. But they committed themselves to the all-wise and suffering purposes of the Almighty. And with much contentment, they rested in the condition in which they found themselves while waiting to see how they would be disposed of. When a convenient time was determined, the prisoners were brought forth for their trial in order that they could be found guilty and condemned. They were brought before their enemies and were formally accused. Thank you so very much. They were formally accused. Thank you for reading so well. And I hope we, we, we've all been following. Now, please, let's make contributions. Make your contributions as short and crisp as possible, uh, just for the sake of managing our time. How do we balance between being in the world, but not being of the world? Is there a red line between the two realities? Is there a red line between the two realities? That's one question. The second question is, is it possible for conduct alone to evangelize and at the same time to cause disaffection because you see what happened there they said uh, christian and faithful did not respond uh, they started they started questioning them they did not say any offensive word they did not do anything yet there was commotion in that fair because uh, because they didn't respond some people uh, sided with them and said wow christian and faithful they must be unique people they must be exemplary people. See, uh, we are taunting them, we are abusing them, we are shaming them, yet uh, they continue to have their speech seasoned with salt. As, as Doc reminded us, they continue to behave uh, well. And that, that in itself caused commotion in that, uh, in that fair. First, how do we balance being in the world but not being of the world? Is there a red line between the two? Uh, we've seen again it takes us back to the description of the merchandise uh, where we have lost we have adultery we have all that it is in it is in the same in the same list that we have wives and children and houses you know so uh who, who wants to attempt something as short as possible is the, what's the red line uh, balancing that yes we are in the world so uh, for example and what uh, Ms., uh, Sister Jonasika uh, mentioned uh, earlier on, uh, if you're invited to, to a place, you want to, uh, you, want to, uh, you want to be at a function, but you want not to be uh, of the function. I, I mean, how do you balance these things? How do you balance this? I mean, these are things, practical matters, uh, that Christians should pay attention to uh, from time to time, which is uh, very important. We are in the world, no doubt about that, because we are. Uh, it's a reality. We are not of the world. That's a reality as well because we have been called to be separate to come out from from among them. Uh, that's uh, so. Any any volunteer to attempt that? How, how do we how do we balance it? How do we balance it? That we is there a red line that must not be crossed, or is it just a juggling balancing act until the very end? Doug. Yeah, brother. Me, let me try. Okay. Yes. So look at what they did. Mm. Uh, I call it the process of engaging differently. Mm, and yeah. that should be the rule. So you cannot disengage. Engage. 
but engage as a new creation. As so, new for creation. example, they are talking and they are beginning to talk loosely. Mm. Then you stop. Or everybody's laughing and you are not laughing. You don't need to say anything. Yeah. The people that are talking nonsense, they know they are talking nonsense. The people that are laughing to nonsense, they know they are laughing to nonsense. Once they see somebody is not laughing, they already know why the person is not laughing. And then they start to recalibrate. And then you'll be hearing things like, uh, where, where, you know, we really shouldn't be laughing at this. Then you'll be saying, really? Okay. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> yeah. and before long, they're the ones telling you exactly what is wrong. Hmm. And that is my own personal experience because as an academic, I, I, I am in the midst of people who speak a language that is a language of the world. Yeah. And when I don't engage, I don't need to tell them it's because I'm a Christian. They start wondering what's wrong. Mm. And that's when I tell them, oh, yeah, nothing is wrong. But my faith is not in keeping with that sort of uh, thinking. That's mm. all. Mm. They say, yeah, uh, shouldn't we all have a rethink about what we are thinking? <laughs> and then I'll be looking at them. Exactly. And then if I have the opportunity, we can move further. So I think it's, it's, it's the secret is engaging, but engaging as a new creation. A so new you creation. are in the world, mm. but because you are now a new creation, you engage with that world as a new creation. Mm. And then that red line will always be clear exactly. in, in my view. I was crazy. Thank, yeah. thank you very yeah. much. Okay, but Brashio, before, yeah. before mom just hold on. Uh, Brash, he, he, has, he has his hands up so after him. Awesome. All right. Um, like uh, Dr. Ratley said, yes. we can engage, but we engage differently. Yes. But often when I'm confronted with a question like this, mm. uh, for those who understand your I will say that, uh, I do say that while we are doing all of these things, come back your money time. So we are sons of God, and if we do otherwise, we all we are defining ourselves to be is that we are bastards. So in all we do, the next thing to think of is what would God have done in this situation? What would Christ have done? Mm. But if we don't forget the son or the daughter of whom we are, mm. even while in the world, in this perverse generation, yeah. if we guide us, the Bible yeah. says that the love of God constrains us. Mm -hmm. We must be constrained. Yeah. We can't live an, an elusive life, a, a life that, you know, is so free. We must be constrained by the love by of love God. Of Jesus confronted Peter saying, Lovest thou me more than and this? So it is the love of God that yeah. constrains us yeah. on what is permitted and not permitted to be done by a believer. And so Jesus was saying, He said, You are in the world, but you are not off. Now, the word of is a form of possessive word. Mm. So we should not stand in the position where the word possesses us. Exactly. We are in the word. But we off. should not be of the word. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love that. Thank you very much. Do you love me more than this? And that's what you should be asking when the word says, Do you want to buy? Go ahead, ma. And after that, Sister Domi. Go ahead, ma. I just want to, I agree with both speakers yes. and, um, you know, we, we read, um, second Peter 10, I think, uh, you are a royal priesthood, a royal priesthood. And everything. Yes. Yeah. The Bible 
the Bible makes us to understand that we are kings and priests. Mm. Royalty, when, we, when you meet them outside, how do they carry themselves? Mm. When you see a royal yes. outside, does he or she behave in any careless way? Mm. It's a matter of identity. Who are you? And if you know who you are in Christ, reputation is taken off because you've given that to Christ. Yeah. So even when, because definitely some people will be there and be irritated, uh -huh, they have come, uh, born again, this and that, mm, uh, they will say all sorts of things. But that, we shouldn't allow that to bother us. So reputation you've given to Christ, you are who you are because you know who you are. And because you know who you are, you can stand. And not too long after, people will start, they want to be like you. Even though they might be saying all sorts of things, they might be, you know, making fun or something. But right inside them, they know that this is the way I should behave. Mm. And they begin to respect you. I think identity is very, very important. Identity. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Ma. Thank you. Ma. Okay, Sister D. Yeah, I, I really appreciate everyone because they actually spoke my mind about everything, how to disengage. Mm. But from the angle that I want to come from is how do we respond when people throw that at you? Mm. Um, let me quickly just share something little that happened right in the church. Not even in the secular world, not in the church. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. I think there's some... Hold on. There's, there's some... Destroy. I'll see where it's coming from. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, we can hear you. Okay, so I was trying to, like, I'm um, saying that how do we respond when people throw that at, at us? Mm -hmm. Something of that nature happened to me right there in the church. In the I'm church. from a Baptist setting. Yeah, where wow. we, you know, the Baptists, we have the WMU for the Women Missionary Union, the yes. Men Missionary Union, and we have the younger ones, the GA, and the likes. Mm. You know, the GA coronation, they usually have this coronation where uh, maidens, little girls go from one step to the other. Yes. Those of the Baptist setting will understand what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it came to be that, I'm just trying to tell you what actually happened as if this was, so um, my daughter was actually part of those that were supposed to be coronated. Okay. She went to a boarding school and came back. And because of the coronation, they usually hold on for those that go to the um, boarding house. school okay. to come back. You know, so my daughter came back. When she came back, they gave her the step and she read everything she was supposed to read mm -hmm. only for them to do the test for, to conduct a test for her, you know? And by then I heard from an outside source that they were not going to coronate. I was like, why? They said they didn't want to um to do a test for her i said okay no problem i said please why are they doing that they said oh she has to pay so so and so fee i was like no it's not supposed to have you tested my daughter they said no they did not okay fine at home my child still wore the clothes and um i educated her and told her that even she's going to officiate on that day i said mm. even if they don't call you the most important thing that i am running up for that thing is for her to know all the verses exactly. and to be able to help her in life mm. and which my daughter already knows you don't know what happened on that day that very day they purposely removed our name from it 
and mm. my daughter was seated. I was right there in the church, you know, mm. and people were coming to meet me while I was seated that, are you not going to say something? Are you going to be looking at them to do this? I kept mute. I don't know how I was able to keep quiet. Till by the time we now finished the service, you know, the silence actually caused commotion. <laughs> the silence? Because I, the, my silence caused commotion. commotion because <laughs> I, I mute. So they were surprised that, ah, why is that I didn't fight? My child was not coronated. I said, is it the coronation mm. or what my child knows? Mm. Or the Bible or the verses or how it will change my, my daughter's life, you know? So what I'm trying to say is that it was only the grace of God because honestly, when I was seated, I was like, God, I didn't know how I was able to go through that period in the church. But I was able to go through, I was like, God, well, you're saying I should keep mute. I will keep mute. And I kept mute. And by the time the service ended, I was like, wow. So this was actually, in fact, it was God fought for me in a way that I could not even imagine. So this is a kind of little practical thing I could bring yeah. up from what faithful and Christian were passing through when people were throwing darts at them and they kept and mute and, they kept and mute. God fought for them. And yeah. Kept it. I mean, yeah. Thank you very much. Like, like, like a, uh, uh, how did the gospel put it? Like a lamb led before the shares, a dumb, a dumb, you know, dumb, uh, and that's what we're called to be. Dog very quickly. Yeah, I mean, I just wanted to buttress what my sister said. It's slightly differently. Mm. So my daughter was going for a GA. Uh, one of the stages. I don't think it was coronation. Okay. And they were supposed to actually enter their morning devotion into a book, okay, a, an exercise okay. book, yeah. day by day, showing that they have been having their personal devotion. And here was my daughter who was not having a personal devotion. Mm. And I kept telling her, you're not having your personal <laughs> devotion. I didn't know that she needed to, uh, document. to document it. And, and then when it was time, she wanted to start cooking up things. I said, no, you cannot go to hell through the church. This thing is a godly thing. You don't want to go to hell through it. No, it's not done that way. Leave all the days that you did not do your devotion. Leave it like that. Oh, don't cook anything. Then when she wanted to submit it, some of the leaders told her that they cannot accept uh, empty, empty spaces. I said, ah, there are actually empty spaces. Heaven is very aware mm. that this girl did not pray on those days mm. and did not study her Bible. There is no problem. If she cannot proceed with the G, let us still go to heaven. Yeah. How can she go ahead with G, get mm -hmm. coronated here or not and disappointed at the pilot gates? Yeah. It doesn't make sense to me. Mm. And so eventually they had to allow her to submit it in the normal way, full of empty spaces. Yeah. And I said, now, in your spiritual life, you can see the emptiness. God is calling you to repent mm. so that next time all those spaces will not be empty. Eventually, she did the right thing and she was still promoted. She did not comply with Vanity Fair. Mm. And it was because I encouraged that to understand that conceptually it is wrong. Yeah. Church is to make sure you don't go to hell. Yeah. Now the church is becoming a platform through which you will go to hell. To hell. Because you are becoming a liar. Mm. You know, and it was very interesting to her because mm. she learned a vital lesson. Because initially she felt her dad was just a bizarre human being. Yeah. That is yeah. what everybody is doing. Why can't you? I said, no, I can't understand you will get, get to heaven by telling lies. Mm. And that's what they have invited you to do. You will not tell a lie. Exactly. It's either you get promoted correctly or you don't get promoted. Exactly. But you will never lie. 
I got there just now. I just remember thank God, that thank I God. laughed about Thank it. God that God helped you there. Because, because at Vanity Fair, what you have on sale there, you have honors and recognitions and promotions, you know, but not in the in, not in the Christian way, not uh, above board. So when you want to buy honor and recognition and promotion, I just want to do it uh, no matter the cost and at the cost of your soul. No, that is, that is the voice of the merchant at Vanity Fair saying, what will you buy? What will you buy? May God give us the grace always to discern at all times. And again, of course, never, never to, never to, I mean, never to, to put, price. A, a, to price any of the merchandise at Vanity Fair mm. above our loyalty to Christ. Did I say him like that? Loyalty to Christ. Loyalty to Christ. Christ first. I mean, we all have to, at all times, first wait, wait and say, look, uh, what will this cost me? Will it cost me displeasing my Lord? Will it cost me dis displeasing my captain? If, it, if it's going to make you displease your Lord, you must hear his voice say to you, what will a man give in exchange, in exchange for his soul? May God always give us the grace to learn. Okay, so I've made commitment to a number of uh, members of this class that we are going to close at at nine thirty, and not and try and try not to go beyond nine thirty. So please uh, let, let us close now. Uh, be be nine thirty. We are going to continue here tomorrow. I know some people who don't come for the Sunday classes. Uh, one of them is hearing me. He, he probably knows that. But please, if you can make it tomorrow, we want as many people as possible to come to, <laughs> tomorrow. So we are going to conclude. And one of the reasons why I don't want us to rush uh, this section deep, because this is the actual trial where faithful and Christian were put on trial, and one of them was condemned to death. And, and it's important for us to go, to go through the thought process, uh, the process that led to that conviction. So by the grace of God, I look forward to seeing you again tomorrow. Let's do uh, section D and section E, and probably just uh, open the next chapter as we meet again next week. I want us to sing that hymn, E, who would valiant be against all disaster? If you want to be valiant against all disaster, the thing to do is to in constancy, follow follow the master. I think many of us should know the song uh, by now. He would valiant be against all disaster. He would valiant be against all disaster. Let him in constancy follow the master. There's no discouragement shall make him once relent. His first avowed intent to be a pilgrim. So beset him round with these masteries. Do but themselves confound his strength the more is. No force shall stay his might, though he with giants fight. To be a pilgrim, 
And I pray God will give us grace to labor night and day to be a pilgrim. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, tomorrow, by the grace of God, Mr. Byens, we're going to conclude this chapter and by the grace of God, go to the next one. Uh, Brother you did please say the closing prayer. Father, we thank you tonight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you for calling our hearts once again to this happiness season. Thank you, Lord. Thank you because you are keen about how we end on this pilgrimage. Yes. It is our prayer that those who have faithful already on this journey, their hearts are encouraged bring back into faith in the name of Jesus. We pray that those who are bruised, they are healed in the name of Jesus. Amen. People need are strengthened in the name of Jesus. Amen. And Lord, as we all go to our respective worship centers tomorrow, we pray that you will help us come into contact Amen. with life in the name of Jesus. Amen. We will not go weary on this journey. Amen. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Thank you so very much, everyone. God bless you. God bless you. Good. This is where we are starting D, section D. And this section D is the account of the trial of faithful the trial of faithful. of course both of them were arrested but i think i think they started with the trial of faithful and it's just good for us to pay attention to the names pay attention to the names of the judge the names of the members of the jury pay attention to the things that each of them said pay attention to the names of the witnesses against faithful and the specific things that they said and of course you'll find that there are just so many things for us to uh, to learn there so Thank you to everybody here in the virtual studio. Uh, Sister Yemisi, thank you. Sister Lady Gutoko, Bolanli Babalola, thank you. Sister Tutuawunuga, thank you. Sister Bjorn Seka, thank you. Okay, so uh, Tutu, you are reading uh, D, and of course, Sister Yemisi, you are reading all the uh, Bible passages there. Good, so page 12, now everybody, are we on the same page? Page 12, section D. The trial of faithful. Yeah, good evening, Tutu. Good evening. Yes, thank you. All right. Shall I start now? Please go ahead. Okay. The judge's name was Lord Faith Good. Mm-hmm. Their indictment was essentially the same accusation, but it had been changed slightly in content. It read that they, Christian and faithful, were enemies and disturbers of the trading of the faith, and that they had caused commotions and divisions in the town, and had in the process gained supporters for their most dangerous opinions in contempt of the law of their prince. Then Faithful answered that he had only spoken against that which had, which had asserted itself against him who is higher than the highest. He went on to say, As for causing a disturbance, I made no such thing, for I am a man of peace. As for the supporters who were warned to us, 
they were persuaded when they recognized our innocence and that we spoke the truth. As a result, they turned from what was worse to what is better. And as to the prince you talk about, since he is Beelzebub, the enemy of our Lord, I defy him and all his angels. Then it was proclaimed that anyone who had anything to say in support for their Lord, the king against the prisoner at the bar, they should immediately appear to testify and bring forth their evidence. So three witnesses came forward, envy, superstition, and big tank. These three were then asked if they knew the prisoner at the bar and what they had to say in support of their Lord, the king and what had been done against him. Envy stepped forward first to give his testimony. My Lord, this man, in spite of his credible name, is one of the vilest men in our country. He shows no regard for the prince, okay. nor his people, laws, or customs. Okay, hold on, Tutu. I think you've missed like three paragraphs. He said, my Lord, I have known really? this prisoner. Yeah. I thought I read that. Oh, okay. Yes, okay, go ahead. He said, my Lord, I have known this prisoner a long time. Am I on track now? Yes, you are. Okay. My Lord, I have known this prisoner a long time and verify, verify upon my oath before this honorable bench that he is. Please take in the part of the book. Should I continue? Just go ahead. All right. Hold on a moment, the judge said. First administered the oath to him. So they swore him in to tell the truth. And he continued his testimony. My Lord, this man, in spite of his incredible of his credible name, is one of the vilest men in our country. He shows no regard for the prince, nor his people, laws, or customs. Instead, he does all he can to persuade all men with his disloyal notions, which he tends to call principles of faith and holiness. And in particular, I heard him say once myself that Christianity and the customs of our town of vanity were diametrically opposed to each other and could not be reconciled. By this statement, my Lord, he not only condemns all our praiseworthy deeds, but also us for doing them. Then the judge asked, Do you have any more to say? My Lord, Envy answered, I could say much more, but I don't want to weary the court with every detail. However, it's necessary when the other gentlemen have given their evidence. Okay. When the other gentlemen have given their evidence, to avoid any lack of evidence that would allow the prisoner to go free, I will expound on my testimony against him at that time. So Envy was told to stand by in case further testimony was needed. Then they called the partition to the stand and told him to look at the prisoner. They also asked, what can you say for your Lord the King against the prisoner? Then they swore him in, and he began to give his testimony. My Lord, I am not friends with this man, nor do I have any desire to know him better. However, 
I do know that he's a very little person from a discussion I had with him the other day in town. During our conversation, he distinctly said our religion was worthless and that in no way could be, could be a means to please God. My Lord, you know very well what follows from such things, namely that we are presently worshipping in vain, and as a result, our sins remain, and finally, in the end, we shall be damned. So, that's what I have to say. Then, Sikh Tank was sworn in, and he began to tell what he knew on behalf of their Lord the King, against the prisoner at the bar, my Lord, and all of you gentlemen. I have known this fellow a long time, and I've heard him say things that that should not be spoken, for he has denounced our noble prince Beelzebub and has spoken shamefully of his honorable prince, whose names are the Lord Old Man, the Lord Canal Delight, the Lord Luxurious, the Lord Desire of Vainglory, my old Lord Lettery, Sir Having Greedy, along with all the rest of our nobility. And the prisoner has also said that if all men thought as he did, that not one of these noble men would reside in this town any longer. And besides this, he hasn't been afraid to revile even you, my lord, who are now appointed to be his judge. He has called you an ungodly villain. And along with this, he has used many other similar he has used many other similar and slanderous names to smear the good names of most of the nobility of our town. When Pete Mark had finished giving his account of the evidence against Faithful, the judge turned his attention to the prisoner at the bar and talked to him directly. You deserter of the truth. You heretic and traitor. Have you heard what this whole... Have you heard what these honest gentlemen have testified against you? Faithful as. May I speak a few words in my own defense? Lord hate good. You contemptible good for nothing vagrant. You don't deserve to live a moment longer. Instead, you should be put to death immediately. Right here, right now. Yet, so that all men may see our gentleness toward you. Let us hear what you have to say. First Peter, First Peter 3.15 Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Faithful tipped his head and said, First, let me address what Mr. Envy has said. I want to clarify that I never said anything except that what rules, laws, customs, or people are against the word of God, these are diametrically opposed to Christianity. If I have said anything in this regard that is incorrect, please point out my error and convince me otherwise. For I stand before you ready to recant my foolishness, if you can do so. At second. As second, I would like to address the charge that Mr. Superstition made against me. I can only say this, 
that for true worship of God, there is a divine faith required. But there can be no divine faith without the divine revelation of the will of God. Therefore, anything added into the worship of God that is not in agreement with divine revelation is nothing but human faith. A faith that will not result in eternal life. And concerning what Mr. Pickstank has said, while avoiding those abusive terms, I have while abusing those abusive terms I have been accused of using, I must still say that the prince of this town, with all the riotous crowd of low people and his attendants, which were named by Mr. Pickstank, are more fit for being in hell than in this town and country. Mm-hmm. And so the Lord have mercy upon me. Then the judge addressed the jury, who had been nearby and listening, and observing all that was said and done. Gentlemen of the jury, the judge said, You see before us this man who has been at the center of a great opera in this town. You have also heard what this worthy gentleman has testified against him. In the same way, you have also heard his reply and confession. Now it rests in your heartfelt decision whether it should live or die. Before you decide, I think it is right that I should instruct you in our law. In the days of Pharaoh the Great, a servant to our prince, there was an act instituted that addressed the danger posed by false religion and those who would cause it to multiply and grow throughout the country. It decreed that their males should be thrown into the river. Sister James, then Pharaoh charged all his people. I've been reading, sorry, <laughs> I didn't unmute. Okay. okay. Then Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river, and every daughter ye shall give them their lives. Exodus 1 A second degree enacted during the days of Nebuchadnezzar the Great, another of our prince's servants declared that whoever would not fall down and worship his golden image should be thrown into a fiery furnace. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall this whoever does not fall down and worship shall the same hour be cast into the midst, midst of a burning fiery furnace. Daniel 3 6. And yet another decree in the days of Darius established a period of time during which anyone who called upon any god but him should be cast into the lion's den. All the presidents of the kingdom, magistrates, governors, great ones, and captains have agreed in common accord to promote a royal decree and to confirm it that whoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days Except thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Daniel 6, 7. The judge waggled his finger in faithful's direction and said, Now, this rebel has broken the substance of this law, not only in thought, which is not an indictable offense, but also in word and deed, which must not be tolerated. Concerning the law of Pharaoh, it was made known by public decree to prevent trouble before it actually happened. But in this case, in order toward faithful, a crime is apparent. With 
sorry. Okay. With regard to the second, is that the next one? Yes, With regard yes. to the second and third president, you will notice how the prisoner argues against our religion in much the same way. For this reason, which he has already confessed, he deserves to die as a criminal. Then the jury, whose names were Mr. Blindman, Mr. No Good, Mr. Malice, Mr. Loveless, Mr. Live Lose, Mr. Heady, Mr. High Mind, Mr. Enmity, Mr. Liar, Mr. Cruelty, Mr. Hitlight, and Mr. Implacable went out to deliberate and consider a verdict. Each individual offered their private verdict against the prisoner, and they unanimously concluded that he was guilty. First, the foreman of the jury, Mr. Blindman, said, I see clearly that this man is a heretic. Then Mr. No Good added, away with such a fellow from the face of the earth. Yes, Mr. Malice agreed, for I hate the very looks of him. Mr. Lovelock started his chin forward and declared, I could never tolerate him. No, I, said Mr. Livlu, for he would always be condemning my lifestyle. Hang him, hang him, Mr. Heady shouted out. A sorry hooligan, said Mr. Highmind. Mr. Enmity nodded in his agreement. My heart boils with anger against him. He is a rogue, said Mr. Liar. Okay. Hanging is too good for him, Mr. Cruelty added. Let's dispose of him immediately, Mr. Hatelight suggested. Then Mr. Implacable said, If I were to be given the whole world, Still, I could not be reconciled to him. Therefore, I say, we deliver our verdict and find him guilty and deserving of death. And so they did. Faithful was condemned to be returned to his prison cell and there to be put to death by the cruelest method they could think of. So they led him away to do with him according to their law. First they scorched him, then they beat him. Then they lanced his flesh with knives. After that, they stoned him with stones, then picked him with their swords, then pricked him with their swords, and last of all, they burned him to ashes at the stake. And so faithful came to his earthly end. Mm. Now I noticed the chariot and a couple of horses waiting for faithful beyond the crowd. As soon as his adversaries executed him, he was taken up into the chariot and carried directly up through the clouds to the sound of a trumpet, taking the most direct route to the celestial gate. Acts 7:54 to 60. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus, standing at the right hand of God, look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this in against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. 
Thank you so much. And unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, this is where we say goodbye to Faithful in this story. And should we pause a bit just to, uh, to, 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 to celebrate Faithful's courage? And should we, should we be mourning him or should we be glad for him? Okay, let's see. Let's discuss these questions. I mean, a number of things packed into this section. We have first the trial. Or rather, we've, we have the opening of the trial. We have the evidence in chief, those who give evidence against him. Remember them, Mr. Envy, Mr. Superstitious, and Mr. Pig Tank. Then we have that judge who gave the direction to the jury. Then we have the members of the jury and their names, which we should pay attention to. And then before that, uh, we had Faithful's uh, defense, what he said in his own defense. And of course, the verdict and the carrying out of the sentence and the eventual killing of Faithful. Now, Faithful, of course, you'll agree with me, uh, was quite vocal from the time he was arrested. And, of course, he also spoke up during his trial in his own defense. Do you think Faithful would have been spared if he had kept quiet and had not said anything at the trial? And that's the point we're trying to make here. Can we discuss that? So for this at gospelbestreview.com, please do feel free to join us on WhatsApp. Just tap the WhatsApp widget and let's have your opinion about this and why. Do you think Faithful would have been spared if he had kept quiet and had not said anything at his trial? What do you think? Do you think those people would have said, oh, well, he's not even, uh, he's not, He's not speaking against us. He's, well, he's, well, he appears remorseful. He has not said anything. Maybe we shouldn't, we shouldn't uh, punish him. What do you think? Do you think Facebook would have been spared? Yeah, to, to go, go ahead. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure it would have been spared because um, they already had their mind made up on what they wanted to do. Mm. And just like him, um, even our Lord was not scared. Exactly. When he appeared before, you find it now. Yes. Said, the Bible said he, he, he stood as a sheep before his prayer. Exactly. So these people already had their mind made up. Mm. Even if he didn't say it was, they would even use that against him. Exactly. Thank you so much. I, 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 go ahead, go ahead. Okay, you read me your point. That's only he committed those, um, you know, mm-hmm. offenses they leveled against him. Exactly. Uh, and I'm very glad that you referenced the case of our Lord. Uh, and that's the point we really want to make here, uh, that some may say, oh, maybe Petru should have been quiet. Maybe he shouldn't have spoken up. Uh, maybe then he would have been spared. Uh, there are other considerations to that. But even the, the mere thinking that, oh, keeping quiet would have saved him uh, would suggest that the person who is making that point uh, does not fully appreciate appreciate the motivations of those who took him to trial, the motivations of the judge and the members of the jury, how desperate uh, they, they were to get rid of him. Our Lord did not speak. It was like a lamblet to the sharer. He did not open his mouth. Did they not kill him? Did they not put him to death? He did not speak, yet he was put to death. We have in this case, faithful who spoke up. Just like Stephen, who also spoke a vigorous, who mounted a vigorous defense of the gospel, who courageously indicted the people of his day, and he was put to death. Now, what do we have to say about the courage of faithful? Uh, you know, imagine that he was in a strange city, he was before powerful people, and he had the courage to speak up, and he spoke well. 
right? He spoke well. He was articulate. Uh, do you not suppose that anyone in that condition, being in a strange land, being before hostile and powerful people, uh, could uh, have his confidence shaken? And perhaps he could become inarticulate and jittery. But Fethu was articulate, he was composed, and he mounted quite a, a credible defense. What do you think uh, was responsible for that? And I'm hoping that someone would reference uh, a scriptural passage there. What do you think was responsible for that? That faithful, notwithstanding that it was before very hostile people, People who, who even had, uh, he must have guessed that they had made up their mind. Remember that the evangelists had even warned them that they could be put to death at Vanity Fair. Yet he was not, uh, he, was, he, he was confident and he was articulate. He said the right things. He said the correct things. He found the words. He found the words. That's the point I want to make. He found the right words even uh, in the face of such uh, daunting uh, odds. Uh, I, for me, uh, I think um, it was courageous. Mm. Not uh, I, I don't think a uh, lot of people would have been as courageous as they was. Mm. And for him to still stand up to the truth, mm. even when he knew that these men were up to something evil, you know. And it's um, the lesson for us all mm. that stand for the truth. At all times. At all times. Yeah. So Thank I'm you. sure he knew that the the what do you people call it? The thing is, it might swindle mm. either way. Mm. But you know, it still stood up for the truth. Exactly. Not allow himself to be cowed. To be cowed. Exactly. Thank you very much. He stood up for the truth. Uh, Sister MC, if you're available, there, can you read Matthew 10, 18 to 20? Let's read Matthew 10, 18 to 20. Matthew 10, 18 to 20. Mm. Because indeed, it's just good for us to reflect on how Faithful was able to stand up to them and to speak rightly and to speak confidently, articulately, you know. Obviously, Matthew 10, 18. 10, 18 to 20. 18 to 20. Mm. It says, and he shall be brought before the governors and kings for my sake, mm -hmm. for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. Yes. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what you shall speak, mm -hmm. for it shall be given you in that same hour what you shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. Exactly. Praise the Lord. And and I would say that uh, it is it, it was the Holy Spirit uh, that filled faithful and enabled him to speak so courageously and so rightly as well as well. Uh, the, Jesus said to to his disciples and including to us, "Look, on my account you'll be brought before governors and kings, but when they hand you over, do not worry about how to respond. In that hour, in that hour." You'll be given what to say. I'm sure that even faithful on his on his way to heaven in the, in the chariot, but I wondered like how, how did I put how, how was I able to put the words together, and how how did I summon the courage you know to confront those hostile and wicked men? So so we can trust in, and that's what we can take away from this. We can trust in the enabling grace of the Holy Spirit, and so much so that what is what is required of us just to be faithful, 
and to be courageous if we have to appear, maybe not before uh, as hostile uh, a tribunal as the one that faithful appeared before. But you know, there are people in the world today, in different parts of the world, who are, who are confronting uh, similar situations. Uh, for some of us, it may not be in terms of uh, tribunals with powers to kill us or put us to death, but it may just be in some other ways where you have to justify or defend uh, your Christian faith, maybe at work or even before friends or in some other ways. Don't, don't, don't worry, the, the Lord has said, at that very hour, the Holy Spirit will give you what to say. And that's exactly what happened to, uh, to faithful. So number one, if he had kept quiet, he would have been killed. And if he had kept quiet, what would have happened? What, what would have been the opportunity lost if he had kept quiet? If he had kept quiet and had been killed, what, what do you think uh, would be the opportunity? Uh, he would have lost his um, eternity. Because taking a stand for Jesus, mm. because, you know, basically that means that you are for God and for faithful to, to take a stand. I think that was quite honorable and that's what Christians should um, do. To take do. a stand even when you are going to be persecuted. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, of course, absolutely. You're absolutely right. It was, it was the honorable thing to do, take a stand for the Lord. And as, as they will say, you know, nail your color to the mast. Nail your color to the mast. Let, let us know where you stand. Uh, but, you know, he could have said to himself that, well, I still believe in my Lord, uh, but in this particular case, let me just keep quiet before these hostile people. Anyway, whatever I say, they would not even, they were not going to listen anyway, and they, they won't be persuaded. Let me just keep quiet. I think we would have lost the opportunity to be a witness, a bold witness to, uh, to Christ. As we're going to see, I mean, as we, we've already even read that from yesterday, the, the things they said yesterday, their conduct was enough to persuade some people at Vanity Fair, you know, to pay attention to them. Uh, I mean, who knows, after his courageous defense, perhaps there'll be uh, someone there uh, uh, in the courtroom or even a member of the jury who would go back home and would think back to what he said. So I would say that we should never lose any opportunity to speak up in defense of the faith. We should never lose any opportunity to, to witness to the saving grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. When, when, when the word is spoken and someone hears, you know, you never know when uh, the word will take root and then germinate in that person and, and, and bear fruits. Go ahead, Mr. MC. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, hold on to the after say Yeah. Okay, I just wanted to, you know, because this book basically is about facing reality that mm -hmm. and putting it to our daily lives. And yes. my question is that as Christians, you know, do we really take our stand? You know, do we really is it easy? Hmm. Let's put it that way. I know the journey is not an easy one, but sometimes yeah. I, you know, I personally tend to question myself. You know, sometimes it's the aftermath that we think about. Mm, exactly. When we are faced with, yes. The, the consequences. When with, yes. When we are faced with it, do we really take stance? Because in those days, for Stephen, you know, he must have been something, you know, for him to, you know, be faced with mobs ready to stone him. Yeah. And still speaking the truth. Mm. You know, so now do we stand for what we believe in? You know, in the midst of friends, maybe social, exactly, and, you know, exactly. Do we really take a stand, exactly. And I'm guilty, so you know, and so we need to really, yeah, put all these things so that we don't, we are not like talkatives, 
Exactly, exactly. Thank you very much. So that we don't like Mr. Tokati from from the last yeah, chapter. So we were just all talk, you know, but to, to talk to uh, to talk about. I was actually thinking about something. I said I was going to um, pull us back a bit. It was mm. about Vanity Fair. Yeah. And while I was in church, I just thought about something that okay, Vanity Fair talked about um, vanity, and they mentioned some things that they were quite close to us, our children, yeah, our family. And I was thinking to myself that, okay, it's a book, yes, and it's very close, to, you know, it's like we are studying the Bible as mm. well. But in real times, how are we able to draw away from this? And how are we not made, um, how are we not able, how are we able to draw away from these things? And the only conclusion I could come to is that even our good is like filthy rags in front of God. Mm. And so we must put that... Um, the, um, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We we need to put that on mm -hmm. because if you don't put that on, and we read, you know, we read, we go back to the to those points. You know, we would almost condemn ourselves. That are we able to really detach ourselves from all those things? Mm. We are faced with it daily. Should be told. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you're right. Truth be told, we are faced with it you daily. Know, faith is is in the church. Is everywhere we walk into. Mm. How can we really ignore it? Can we are we can we say that we can totally ignore it like Jesus did? Mm. Exactly. All like Christian and faithful would not pay the, 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 the writer said they did not pay attention, they did not look at the they merchandise should, at all. That they, they, they just yeah. focused. Okay. Yeah, but we are inside there. That's mm -hmm. all. I'm just it's just a thought. No, no, and it's a re relevant one. Uh, so if you remember that, if you recall uh, that yesterday uh, we, we attempted a question. When we when we, we we pose that question that there are two realities staring us in the face, there are two realities for us. One, we are in the world; that's a reality. Second, we are not of the world; that's a reality as well for those of us who are in the faith. And and we posed that question yesterday: How do we draw the line? How do we draw the line? And is there a red line that must not be crossed? Uh, just before I invite other people to make contribution, I want to read what Mami uh, Okubuijo sent to us on WhatsApp. This is what she has written. The Bible says we have been given the spirit of truth and not timidity. He also appreciated that it is he who endures to the end that will be saved. And I thank you very much, Ma, that we have been given the spirit of truth and not the spirit of fear, and he who endures to the end shall be saved. Now, there are two questions you have raised. The first one is the question of whether in reality we live as courageously as we are we are called to live. Whether in reality we do so uh, among our friends, when people are going this way, do we not just keep quiet? Because if I speak up, maybe they will not invite me into their circle again, or maybe they just think, oh, this guy, this uh, this person is just always just pouring water on our parade. Look, don't don't call her again, or don't talk to her again. So are we always as courageous as we are called to be, and even in more important things as well? And your second question is, uh, the merchandise, although we are, we, are, we are going back a bit, but it's fine, that the merchandise on sale at Vanity Fair, the wives, the husbands, the children, especially those, because we, we say to ourselves, well, are, are they not good things? Our Lord even wants us to marry right and then to, uh, to, uh, to, to bring up offspring to his glory. Uh, but in this book, they are classified as part of, uh, of Vanity. Uh, and the way to understand Vanity Fair is that uh, the author put there, all those things, the merchandise that are capable of stopping a person from continuing on the pilgrimage. And our Lord himself said it. He who does not love mother, who does not love me more than mother, father, children, houses, and lands, 
cannot be my disciple. So let us not um, miss it that we must love our Lord more than any of the merchandise on sale uh, at Vanity Fair. Doc, I'm going to call you shortly. I want to read this from the chat room. Uh, Sister Tawunga saying, just to add that Christian would probably live with the guilt of not putting in a word or testimony for faithful, notwithstanding that people already had their plan. Hmm. And to, to, that's another angle to this. Uh, Christian, we do not. We are going to get to him shortly. Uh, but would he live in regret that he did not put in a word uh, in defense of faithful? We are not sure that he was there in the courtroom with him. But we are going to get to that as well. Okay, Doc, uh, please, your contribution. After that, uh, let me show me briefly. Yeah, thank you very much. Can you hear me? Yes, very well. Yes, the, the issues raised by Sister Yemisi are germane. Very germane, yeah. To the Christian life that we have come to yeah. recently, I was just telling my wife, I'm sure she would have been thinking, why does this man talk about terrible things all the time? <laughs> so I was telling her, I said, when the challenge of persecution will come, mm. I hope they don't use cold to kill me because it will be very painful. Mm. Fire might be easier for me. I was telling her, I said, because I cannot tolerate cold at all. It's as if I'm going crazy when cold is too much. Maybe with fire, I will cry and shout. But somehow, I think I, probably the smoke will extinguish life from me quickly, from inhalation injuries. Now, why am I thinking that way? I'm thinking that way because coming to know the Lord was about declaring to myself that I have become at war with the world. Yeah, he, 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 I had to make peace with that. And Jesus in Matthew chapter 10 was preparing them for war. Mm. I think where we miss it and we're unable to take our stand is when we are at peace with the context of our existence. No, exactly. we cannot be at peace. We are already at war. And because we are at war, we should be ready for the ferocious attack mm. of the enemy. And we must be also ready for our response to that attack. Mm. So, for example, when we look at the things in Vanity Fair, yeah. the Bible tells us in First Corinthians chapter 7, I love that scripture a lot, when I want to share with people how to contextualize all those merchandise in Vanity Fair. Yeah. First Corinthians chapter 7 from verse 29. He says, but this I say, brethren, the time is short, so that from now on, even those who have wives, who have wives hmm. should be as though they, they had none. none. Those who weep as though they did not weep. Those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice. Yeah. Those who buy as though they did not possess. <laughs> and those who use this world as not misusing it exactly. for the form the, the old King James says, for the fashion of this world is passing away. Now, all those things in Vanity Fair, the children I have, my wife and everything, they are fashions of this world. In fact, when we are having Bible study at times in the house, I tell the children, if the Bible says it is a narrow road mm. and the gate is very straight, I suppose that we will have to go in one by one. Yeah. I can't even hold your mother by the hand. Mm -hmm. So let each man understand that call to which we have been brought. Yeah. It will be one by one. So 
do not think that after all my dad is a christian will be able to help me no i would wish to but i cannot it's a narrow road mm. and the straight gate is before us so the point i'm making here is for us not to lose sight of what we must stand for mm. we must appreciate from the very beginning that there is no truce between us and vanity fair and the, exactly. there is no truce between us and the world we are already at war and like you said at war you must nail your color to, to the, the mast. mast you have to nail so your color to the you mast be, you must you must just declare your stand so sometimes i'm in the midst of friends and they are making it look like it's not fashionable to to believe and you know i just throw my belief at them very very blatantly yeah. because it's not fashionable to me to not to believe yeah, exactly and so if if you think it's not fashionable to believe well incidentally on the contrary it's not fashionable to me not to believe and what do you have with that recently we had a men's breakfast in our church and an elderly man was telling me that he did not seem to believe that it is right to preach to people that only christians will make it to heaven what about his muslim friends mm -hmm. will they too not have some consideration well i i said to him well unfortunately i have a different view and the view is that only Christ is the way to salvation. Do you have a problem with me? He said, no. Okay, that's all right. So if you want to believe that there must be a way for Muslims too, there is nothing I can do about that. Mm. But you cannot tell me that I must believe that with you. No, no, no. I believe that Jesus is the only way. And I must reserve that right to believe. So it's because I already understand that the world will call me to take my stand. And we must be ready to take that stand. And like I said, at Vanity Fair, whatever we see there is passing away. Your children, your wife, your husband, the house you have, the position you hold, and therefore you must never abuse it because the time is short. I pray God help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And, and of course, I wanted to add, as you, as you were saying that, uh, that, you know, this is the, 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 uh, the kind of gospel or not the kind, but the aspect of the gospel, because the gospel is just one. This is the aspect of gospel that made some people in the days of Christ, you know, to, to then turn away and not follow him. When he was preaching about provision and giving them bread to eat, uh, they were so happy at that. They said, oh, great, great, this man can feed us. And then when he started talking to them about the word of life, talking to them about how they must make a, a choice and draw the line and follow him and forsake every other thing, they, they, they drew back. And Jesus said to them, hmm, very truly i tell you you are looking for me not because you saw the signs i performed but because of the loaves you are to feel but the word i'm speaking to you you don't want to hear and i, I pray this is not just uh, being like talkative this is as sister Ipsy said us called reminded to face uh, the reality of the world but we cannot shy away from the truth the truth is what uh, has been stated uh, in this chapter what uh, doc himself has, has restated now the truth is that we are at war with the world at every point a christian should okay i mean yesterday brashio indele made uh, referred us to that scripture uh, where the lord said to, to do you love me more than this more than this do you love me more than this more than this they had gone back to their do you love me more than this and every every waking moment the spirit is saying to us christian love me more than this love me more than this uh we should be every time we should hear the spirit asking us do you love me more than what you prize most dearly. Just like the Lord tested Abraham and said, Give, take your son Isaac, the son whom you love. He even said that, take your son Isaac, whom you love. 
So do you love me more than this? And I do pray uh, that the Lord will give us grace to answer, yes, I do love you more than every other thing. And the way to be able to answer that is to actually believe with all our heart that there is heaven, that there is indeed a crown awaiting us. You know, if you, if we, you don't really believe it, and if you are just mounting it, and you just feel, well, just something that everybody professes, but if you truly believe that it does not all end in this world, that there is another place that as uh, Peter wrote, all these things we see, they'll be destroyed by the elements. If we truly believe that, look, all the glories of this world will pass away, but there is an eternal crown, an imperishable crown that is awaiting us, that is actually heaven, then uh, then we, one would uh, put things in proper context and then say to, to oneself, hmm, I mean, and that's what Peter said, if all these things will be destroyed by men, what sort of man ought you man be? Man. <laughs> what man of man ought it to be? So, so it is either that we don't believe that the grace of this world will pass. So if you don't really believe that the grace of this world will pass, then you will say, well, I can't, I can't turn my back, you know, completely. If you don't truly believe that there is an imperishable crown, that there is a word after this one, then you say, well, what's the point? Like, I, I, Paul said it, if, then let us just eat and make merry and die, if that's the case. But if truly all the grace of this world will pass, if indeed there will be judgment, if indeed there is heaven where... It is as described in the book of Revelation. Then, what manner of man ought to be? What manner of woman ought to be? You ought to be somebody who would say, Well, uh, take the whole world, but give me Jesus. Just take the whole world and give me Jesus. But is it easy? It is not easy. We know it's not easy. That is why many of the martyrs they give their lives for it. I mean, recently in the in the UK, and I hope you follow that news, uh, Doc, uh, of uh, Nigel Farage whose bank account was closed down because of his political views. It was not religious views in this case. But is it out of contemplation that the time will come, or the time would probably come, when some will say that because you are holding to this view, we are not going to allow you to have banking services. If that should confront anybody, would we say, ah, banking services, are not be able to buy anything, or are not be able to show up anywhere, or maybe we will not allow you to put your children in certain schools? Would you say, ah, no, my children must have the best education, therefore let me just keep quiet, or let me just compromise about these things? You know, these are the moment when I speak with my brother on this, we just say, Lord, please, just take me home before that time would come. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because it wouldn't be an easy choice to make. Let's be realistic about that. Right. But it will be easy, again, for somebody who has things in proper perspective. You already know. You believe with all your heart that this world is passing. And that's what Peter tried to, 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 uh, to emphasize in First Peter 3. He said, this world and it's, it's all passing. It's passing, it's passing, it's going. So don't, uh, don't, don't build your stake on that. Don't say, look, this is what I'm going to live with. Oh, all these things, I will give anything. What would a man give in exchange for his soul. I do pray that we'll not be mere uh, talkatives like we read last week. That will be people who indeed will look in the mirror, see ourselves and then go back and say, Lord, I thank you for all the things you have given me. I thank you for all the things I want. Uh, and I know that it is your desire to give me good things. But please do not let anything take hold of my heart so much so that I will, uh, I mean, I will fail to, to stand up for your truth. And to honor you in this world. Brother yeah. mm. yeah. just something that I forgot to add. Mm. Uh, when Sister Emisi was talking about uh, times when we do not take our stand and we feel that we should have done better, mm. it's important that we bear in mind that at such times we should have 
a conversation with God yeah. and tell him that we are sorry we missed an opportunity to be true witnesses. Yeah. Acts chapter 4 verse 33 says, with, uh, with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord and great grace was upon them. Now, in being a faithful witness, even when we fall short, we should ask the Lord for mercy and for greater grace yeah. so that the next time we will not miss the opportunity. And I know God always helps us in this day. Yeah, he does. The second he... point, the second point is regarding what you were saying about how terrible the world will be. Mm. I was at a conference last, uh, well, that was in July. Mm. And at this conference, it was during the Pride Month, the LGBT okay. yeah. Pride. Yeah. And at that conference, the only lanyard that you could put your name tag on was the rainbow lanyard. Mm. There was no other lanyard. Ah, I said, wait a minute. How dare they conscript me? Exactly. <laughs> ah, it's the Pride Month. I don't want anything like that near me. Not because I don't know the positive meaning of the rainbow. Mm -hmm. God gave us that rainbow. Yeah. So I could have decided that I will wear it anyway and give my own personal, you know, godly interpretation. Uh, but I said, no, what is going on is that the college has its own college colors. Yeah. Why have they now made it impossible for those who want to choose to choose? Yeah. And only the rainbow line yard was on display. Mm -hmm. I was offended. So I took it. And when I took it, I used it for a few hours. <laughs> and I was telling myself, wait a minute. Yes, I know it's the only lanyard. Yeah. And there are Christians around me who are using it deadly. No problem. No problem. But I told myself, I said, I must reserve the right not to want to be associated with the pride month mm -hmm. or with LGBT easy by force. So I looked inside my bag and I saw another name tag holder. So I switched it. In that entire conference, I think maybe it was just two of us. Mm. One friend of mine that I knew in the university, a Jehovah's Witness, mm. and you know they are very blatant. Yeah, yeah, but so he had he had his own lanyard that was of a different color, and I had my own name tag holder. Mm. So eventually, my consultant saw me, and he was asking me that uh, I should put on oh, where is my lanyard. I was I asked him a question because I <laughs> did not want to yeah to to, to bring create, up that issue yeah. No, no, I did not. There was no reason. You already yeah. suspected what was going, was going on, on, and that was sufficient. So I said, do you want me to wear it? <laughs> he looked away. Because <laughs> he, he understood what I was saying, but I was not saying it. Yeah. Now, the point is, at that point in time, to be honest, I did not think I needed to start saying, I don't want the lanyard. I don't think it had escalated to that point. Mm. But it had got to a point when I could decide I would not use it. And when I told my brother about it, who is not here born again by the way he said ah, why am i making a mountain out of this exactly yeah and, and i felt bad because that was the way he understood it i felt bad that he will have to see more of that that i would disappoint him further mm -hmm, by mm -hmm. the grace of god so so, 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 so so there you see that merchandise family there family being part of yes, the merchandise exactly yes because so you feel I oh, if i should take this position even my brother will be disappointed in me and you love him but i had to make peace mm. with the fact that i will yet disappoint him more and i pre-warned him i mm. pre-warned him because i'm at war he is not at war i'm at war i've nailed my color to the mast mm. what can i do 
I can only ask for greater grace. And that's the point I must not miss. Greater grace. God help us. Help us. God help us. God help us. And of course, continue to pray for your dear brother too, who I know very well, that the, the, ah, yes. that, that the grace of God will reach him in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I mean, thank you very much. Okay, let's quickly go to the second question. Which of the jurors would have been sympathetic to you? So this is you, 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 and me too. A part of that you. Which of the jurors would have been sympathetic to you if you were on trial? Why do you think the jurors at Vanity Fair have such names? So let's look at the names of the jurors again. You know, the jurors are those who decide facts in a criminal trial or in a trial, generally speaking, right? Uh, so quickly, this is page, just a moment, please. Okay, so this is page 18. For those who are at gospelbestradio.com, this is page 18. Then the jury, whose names were Mr. Blind Man, Mr. No Good, Mr. Malice, Mr. Love Loss, Mr. Live Lose, Mr. Heady, Mr. High Mind, Mr. Enmity, Mr. Liar, Mr. Cruelty, Mr. Eight Light, Mr. Implacable. They went out to deliberate, and you know, of course, what their verdict was. Which of them would have been sympathetic to you? Mr. Blind Mind, who was the blind man? Mr. Blind Mind said, I see clearly that this man is a heretic. That's somebody who is actually blind, but who considers himself to, to have sight. So if you were dealing with a Mr. Blind Man, what would he think about you? Uh, that oh, you are just one of them. You know, he cannot see. It's only what he hears, right? So from what you say, what would, what would Mr. Blind Man say? If Mr. Blind Man would say to you that, oh, this a this a cool guy, this a cool guy. Why do you want to why do you want to put him to death? What does this say about you? You know, do, do you get the question now? So that's the question. If the, if the blind man would have said the blind man who cannot see but can only hear. If he would have said about you, oh, that's a cool guy from the things he's been saying. That's somebody who should be with. Him. Why do you want to? Why do you want to punish him? Then it probably means that you are not really saying anything that 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 promotes the glory of Christ. How can the blind see clearly? Exactly, that's what you are sitting in the chat room, and that's correct, Mister No Good. Uh, Mister No Good would never support anything good. So if Mister No Good votes in your favor, it means that. Unfortunately, you are no good as well. That's why he would, he would vote in your favor. Mr. Malice, uh, Mr. Malice, Mr. Malice votes in your favor. It means that he sees you as somebody who owed malice against others as well. Mr. Love lost. We just lost it. You know, uh, birds of the same feather, they flock together. So each of these jurors voted in accordance with his own preference. Uh, if Mr. Love lost, you come across somebody who stands against en en everything uh, lossful. He's going to vote against such a person. But if he comes across somebody who, you know, identifies with him, then he's going to acquit him. So we can go on and on like that. The point about that question is that our colors must be near to the mast, so much so that uh, no juror bearing any of those names would be sympathetic to us. And of course, uh, that's, not being, uh, uh, that's not being fatalistic about these things. We're just saying that the whole point about this this chapter vanity fair is come out from among them and be separate come out from among them and be separate and what we have seen in vanity fair especially in the merchandise described is that it is difficult to to come out from among them to be separate because again remember the purpose of of the vanity the purpose for the founding of the vanity fair why it was established in the first place it was established because Beelzebub, Apollyon, Legion, and the associate, they wanted to distract people from continuing in the pilgrimage. 
So it is no surprise that these things entice us. It is no surprise that these things actually uh, they are dear to us. It is no surprise that we actually have some, you know, some some tend so some soft fault uh, for these things. It's because those who put them there, they put them there for that very purpose. That's how the Lord said, "You have to love me more than this." And the third question we are going to address is: Do you think faithful was a victim or a victor? Now, faithful was found guilty. He was killed in the most cruel fashion. Remember, uh, he said first, first they lanced him with, with knives, and then they stoned him with stones, then they pricked him with their swords, and last of all, they burned him to ashes at the stake. Although, after he died, he saw the heavens, a chariot coming to take him, and he was actually taken up uh, in a blaze of glory. Do you think he was a victim or a victor? Do you think Faith was a victim or a victor? Um, I would like to, it depends on who is the look, from what point you are looking at it for. Okay. For us, is a, a victor. Mm-hmm. Because we know that the goal of a Christian is to make it to the celestial city. And yes. from the text we read, mm-hmm. it says that he got he, he went through another route. He went through the, the most direct the route. Exactly. The most direct route, yes, to the celestial city. From our own point of view, from the Christian's point of view, yes, a victor. And if we are to even think about the way he was killed, you know, very painful. Very, you know, if very, 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 very cruel. Very cruel, exactly. Very cruel, you know. So, so it's it's a very painful thing. But to to see to to know that he made it to the to, to the final destination is something that we should be thankful for. Exactly. So from a Christian point of view, he is a victor. But from the world, they'll say, Oh, what you know, what a shame. What a sad way to die. Yeah, yeah. So. Exactly. Thank you. Sister B. Yes, um, he was a victor, definitely. <laughs> Because we can even see that at the end, um, was said, was said. I mean, it was um, there was a song that said, "Faithful, sing and let your name survive." Yeah, yeah. Although they have killed you, mm-hmm. yet you are alive. Mm-hmm. That even though they were able to kill the flesh, they were not able to kill, kill the, the soul. The soul, yeah, exactly. So it was a victory, especially because the you know the chariot even came down to carry him. I have here in the chat room started to say it was both. It was both the victim and victor. And I get and I, and exactly that situation of perspective was both victim and victor. victim or victim of the evil government of this world, the evil powers of this world, and of course victor, uh, victor in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, what did Paul say about whether we live or die? What did he say? about whether we live or die. And that's another part about putting everything in perspective that, well, for the Christian, the fear of death is already removed because whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. So, I mean, we think of all those who have gone before us, all those apostles, you know, the martyrs, and we think, wow, they must have really truly believed so much so that they counted uh, their lives of naught and they were ready to give it up. They know that whether I live, it is unto the Lord. If I live, it means the Lord has work to, for me to do. So and I must do it. And 
whether I die, it means, well, glory. It means glory. And that's the way to approach these things. You know, once we are able to get there, it's not easy. And we are all being changed from glory to glory every new day. But, you know, the nearer we get to that place, uh, the more difficult it is for Satan to uh, to have the better of fault because he knows that this place is already sold out to... Somebody who has said, whether I live, I live unto the Lord, to do the Lord's work, or whether I die, and then it is it is for the glory of the Lord. You know, that is, that's a person who would be most difficult to... Uh, to be uh, to be turned away from the from the narrow road. Okay, we still have part E to read. Can we quickly read that before we take other other contributions? Right. So E, the concluding part, which is not uh, which is quite short. Uh, this this read by. Okay, yeah. Later, are you ready? Yes. Okay. Good. Thanks. But as for Christian. He found relief during this agonizing situation when he was sent back to prison. He remained for a time, but he who overrules all things, having the power of their rage in his own hand, worked things out in such a way that Christian, after that time, was set free and allowed to continue on his way. Mm. As he went, he said, Well, faithful, you have faithfully professed unto your Lord, with whom you will be blessed. When faithless ones with all their worthless delights are crying out under their hellish plights, sing, faithful, sing, and let your name survive. For though they have killed you, yet you are alive. Now, I saw in my dream that Christian did not journey alone, for there was one named Hopeful. Being made so by beholding Christian and faithful in their words, behaviors, and sufferings at the fair, who joined with him. Entering into a brotherly covenant, Hopeful told Christian that he would be his companion. He also told Christian that there were many more from Vanity Fair who would be following after them. Thus, one died to bear testimony to the truth, mm. while another rises out of his ashes to be a companion with Christian in his it's pilgrimage. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you so very much. I mean, what a beautiful conclusion to this to this chapter, and there are so many things. As short as this this segment is, I, I want us to uh, each one of us just come, uh, just uh, share with us what you uh, what what you find treasurable in this, what you find uh, of 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 great value in this short this short concluding passage. Before that, let me read this from WhatsApp. Thank you, Mamioji. Saying faithful was a victor because he was able to achieve his goal as a believer in Christ Jesus. Exactly, he was a victor indeed. So, so I mean, look at this concluded concluding part. I say so in this song, we're asking the question. I'm going to the third one. I will go back to the first. Uh, the first two was Christian's tribute to faithful intended as a consolation or a proclamation? Think about that. Look at this. As he went, as he went on, Christian sang, "Well, faithful, you have faithfully professed unto your Lord, with whom you'll be blessed." When the faithless ones, with all their worthless delights, are crying under their hellish plight, sing, "Faithful, and let your name survive, for though they have killed you, yet you are alive." Was that a consolation? That well, the worst has happened, but I'll, I'll keep trudging on. But was it a proclamation of? Of the goodness of God, the greatness of God. 
Second Corinthians. Stop, stop, can you open Second Corinthians? Second Corinthians five six to eight. And uh, if you are, if you want to make other contributions, please feel free to do so. Did Christian survivor imply that he was more favored? Second Corinthians five six to eight. Five. Mm -hmm. okay. Says, therefore, we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, mm. we are absent from the Lord, mm. for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body, and to be present with the Lord. Amazing. So the Christian says to himself, the longer I am in the body, uh, then the longer I'm without my Lord, I'm not united with him. The ultimate aim, the ultimate objective is to be fully united with him. So uh, that is why uh, the Christian is always groaning, groaning and saying, look, just waiting for that day, uh, for that day when we'll be fully reunited with our Lord. Now, that, that's a portion at the beginning of this last segment we read, which explains why Christian was not put to death or put to trial. And we're asking this question, in the description of Christian's release, which attributes of God come to mind? And how should these attributes shape your response to challenges to your faith? Which attributes about God come to your mind when you read this opening part? But as for Christian, he found relief during this agonizing situation when he was sent back to prison. He remained for a time, but he who overrules all things, having the power of their rage in his own hand, walked things out in such a way that Christian, after that time, was set free and allowed to continue on his way. Which attributes of God come to mind there? And how should that or those attributes encourage you in your Christian faith? But he who overrules all things, having the power of their rage in his own hand, walked things out in such a way that Christian, after that time, was set free and allowed to continue on his way. Sister B. Yeah, brother. Okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, hold on, Sister B. Wants to, after this second. Okay. Um, God's attributes. There is His sovereignty. Mm. He overrules us. He's sovereign. He decides. Exactly. He decided one should be freed. One should die. His mm. um, <laughs> His plans for us are always for good. Able to bring us to a desired end. End. His own desire. Are the ultimate is the ultimate, exactly. and it's always the best for us. Mm. Exactly. At the end of the day. At the end of the day, so is so is is that is the sovereign God. He overrules all things. Thank you very much. So that's one, and of course that's something. If you believe that God is sovereign, then you know maybe you have stronger faith. Just go ahead. Look, He's sovereign over all things. Uh, Doc. Yeah. Thank you very much for that first part. Mm. He's sovereign. Yeah. And within that sovereignty, there is that attribute of having a master plan. Mm. Exactly. So, so he's sovereign to, he has a master plan. Go ahead. Master plan. That master plan is the bigger picture. Yeah. Which the evildoers don't have a copy of. Mm -hmm. Neither do we, the victors in the process. To that extent, mm. we just need to release ourselves into his hands. Yeah. And this was the counsel of Peter. He said that when you suffer for him, 
when you suffer because of Christ, yeah. you must commit your soul to him. to him. You know? And that is the story. You must release your life, your entirety into his hands. And when you do so, you will then find out that he will allow one faithful to die and go through the most direct route to mm. heaven mm -hmm. and preserve is a Christian who will be a witness to live for a little longer because of the master plan. Yeah. And once we have that in mind, it's easier for us to follow whichever path is selected for us. I mean, when we're talking about whether uh, faithful was a victor or a victim. Or a victim. I mean, I recall, because I do a bit of philosophy as part of my own background. Yeah. The truth is, even those who are not believers, they die for what they believe. Yeah. It is highest ideal for a man to die for, for what he believes. Right, exactly. And Paul was, was clear when he was saying this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He said, do you not know from verse 24? That those who run in a race all mm. run, mm. but one receives the prize, yeah. run in such a way that you may obtain it. He says, and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Mm -hmm. Now, they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Sure, yeah. So it, it, it is clear that when people believe something, they are ready to die for it. Yeah. And when they do die for it, it is the ultimate conviction. Mm -hmm. Once, some years ago, I had the privilege of counseling a couple in the marriage committee, in the family life committee. And one of them was a military officer, the husband. And we asked the wife, how do you cope with this consciousness of danger looking around, around because yeah. of a military wife? And she said, it's all right. that uh, She's getting used to it. And mm -hmm. then we asked him, you, who bears that danger as your direct you know, job description. Yeah. How do you cope? He said, well, what they taught them when they were in school was that anytime they wear their uniform, they have one death. Mm. So much so that they embrace death, they don't shark away. They don't shy away from death. Mm. <laughs> he said, when they wear the uniform, they have one death. So death to them is just like a vestment, a garment. It is nothing more than that. And they can go to their deaths for it is the joy of the soldier. Mm, mm. I'll be a true soldier. Yeah, without that my post. My hmm, thank you. You know, so that that's the way I will see that. And then to talk about the fact that, uh, you know, as as a Christian, we must have that mindset that we will endure hardness yeah. as a true soldier of Christ. Mm. God, 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 God grant us grace. God grant us grace. So talking about those attributes, uh, he's sovereign, and now dog he has a master plan, right? And then look at this part again. He says, having the power of their rage in his own hand. I know him being sovereign almost covers everything, but again, we can have some subset. Him having the power of their rage in his own hand. Does that not even tell us that even those who are so hostile to us and who are so, uh, you know, resolved to see our end the lord has in his hand the power of their rage uh, you know what, what what we have in proverbs the art of the king is in the hand of god he directed like streams of water so much so that uh, you know realizing that even those hostile forces in this world 
the Lord has in his hand their rage. He can he can tell them, look, let my son go, let my daughter go, do him no harm, do her no harm, or uh, according to his master plan, uh, he could permit, he may permit one uh, something to be done. So uh, the, the point we're trying to make here is that uh, in realizing these attributes of God, it should have an impact on our disposition to to persecution, to persecution. If truly we believe God is sovereign, if we tr- truly we believe as a master plan, if we truly we believe that even the hearts of those hostile people, the, their hearts are in the hand of God. If we believe all those things, then we just keep moving on as a soldier should. Thank you, Mommy Oji. Yes, our God knows the end from the beginning. Yes, that's another attribute that we have to write there. Just like having the master plan. He's sovereign. He has a master plan. Uh, he has in his hands the hearts of all the hostile powers in this world. And he knows the end. He knows the end from the beginning. So, given all those attributes, Christian was set free and was allowed to continue in his own way. And Christian sang that song uh, in praise of, of, um, of faithful did Christian survive imply that he was more favored? Was he more favored, Christian, because he survived? Because he was not killed? Do you think he was more favored? Would you say, well, maybe there was something good about him that that uh, that that God saw and then he let him live? Romans 14, 8. If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. So it makes no difference. It was not, it was not about him being favored or not favored. It was just that God has a master plan. And he has worked out all things according to his master plan. Uh, Christian, who has been spared, well, he, he lives to fight another day, right? So because he will still have challenges to confront in the future. Faithful uh, is is well out of it. You know that poem, the casual, the casualists are not only those who are dead, they are far removed from it. Because the people who are dead, they are already removed, far removed from it. So a Christian lives to fight another day. So I don't know whether we call that being favored, actually. Okay, I thought you wanted to say something, Doug. Yeah, exactly. So you don't know whether. To... No, I, I mean, I was just listening to you. Yeah. You know, the truth of the matter is that for those who are soldiers, mm. it's a question of the day you will die. Mm. So one person dies today means nothing in terms of favor. Yeah. It means that the next bullet may have your own name written on it. Mm. And you are welcoming the bullet anyway. So it's not seen as one person has has been more favored than the other but yeah. in another sense the person who goes first mm. is spared the horrors of the rest of the battle exactly so actually the man who dies first is the one who is more favored in my view yeah because <laughs> i tell you what is coming mm-hmm. what is coming i was listening to brogbile akani one day yeah. and he said he never thought that in his lifetime you will see men getting married to men and mm. the officiating being done in the church. It, he never exactly. thought that in his lifetime. So people like Archbishop Benson and Aosa, they have gone before. Yeah, they've been spared all this, happened. right? <laughs> huh? I said they, they've been spared all this. They, they've been spared. They've been, they've been spared all this. Eh? They, 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 he's, 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 so in a sense, is the reverse. The uh, person who goes first is yeah. spared the horrors in, of the rest. In, in of fact, the I want to but read again according to God's master plan. Mm. He has why he must spare those of us who will be in these last days. Exactly. Okay. Just very briefly, I want to read from last chapter. This is a chapter on talkative. Towards the end, when the evangelist met them, he predicted that something like this would happen at Vanity Fair. 
He now said, be faithful unto death, and, is, and the king will give you a crown of life. The one who dies there, that is at Vanity Fair, although his death will be violent and his pain perhaps great, will be better off than the other. For he will arrive at the celestial city the soonest, and because he will escape many mysteries that the other will meet along the rest of his journey. You know, so I mean, that's the right perspective to put there. Again, this is not being fatalistic about this thing. This is being actually realistic about 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 our warfare. As as Doc said earlier on, we are actually we are at war, and the sooner a soldier reconciles himself with the truth that is at war, you know, the better for for that soldier. And let none of us. God, what God wants us to think is that we are not at war. And that's something we have to run away from. The world wants to say, look, that, what, 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 who is fighting you? Who is fighting you? Just take it easy. You know, exactly. that, you know just take it easy. Be calm. Be calm. What, what, what's all this? Can you just take it easy? You, you know that chapter about simple, slothful, and uh, the third one, you know, simple, simple said, look, I see no danger. I see no danger. And that's what the world says to us every, every time. Please just take it easy. Is, nobody is fighting you. Just live your life. If they say put on this color, put it on. If they say do this, just do it and, and enjoy your life. You know, uh, simple telling us there is no danger, there is no danger. Uh, but, well, our Lord reminds us every day that we are the war front. Well, these are tough words. I do pray that the Holy Spirit will strengthen us. We strengthen us because none of us can stand unless the Lord gives gives us gives us grace. He who would valiant be against all disaster, let him in constancy follow the Master. There is no discouragement that shall make him once relent his first avowed intent to be a pilgrim. I do pray that your first avowed intent to be a pilgrim will be your intent all the days of your life in jesus name amen
God grant us grace to labor night and day to be a pilgrim. Doc, please say the closing prayer. And I look forward to seeing you all by the grace of God next Saturday. We'll be reading Mr. By Ends. And we are moving uh, close to the conclusion of this book. Let us pray. Dear Father, we bless you very much for our study this evening. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for bringing us together to learn at your feet. Thank you, Lord. Lord Jesus, we have seen how much we are at war. Mm -hmm. We have seen what the challenges of Vanity Fair would be. These things tug upon our hearts mm. and drive us to forget our journey to the celestial city. But the Bible says it is not by power, neither by might, but by my spirit, said the Lord of hosts. Oh, yes. We count upon your spirit to be able to grant grace all through the journey. Amen. Lord, we pray that you will keep us from falling. Amen. And you will present us faultless and without blemish before the throne of your presence with exceeding joy. Amen. When we shall be called upon to nail our color to the mask, and when we shall be called upon to take our stand for you, may we be valiant, may we be courageous, may we be bold as the Lion of Judah. Amen. Thank you, Father, because you are faithful. Thank you, Lord. We ask, Lord, the rest of this week, be our help and supply. Amen. Bless us way to the glory and praise of your name. Amen. When we shall meet again next Sunday, we, uh, next, next Saturday and Sunday, may we be truly blessed. Amen. Thank you, Father, for our facilitator and this platform that you have hosted for us. Thank you, Lord. We ask in the name of Jesus that greater grace you will release upon his life. Amen. Greater grace you will release upon this platform. Amen. And together, Lord, we will increase in the light of your grace. Amen. Thank you, Father, for answered prayers. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Amen.